0: I'm not saying women, like, there aren't smart women that don't contribute. We totally do. But, like, smarter than men, really? And I was thinking about the smartest women I know. All of the smartest women I know submit to the authority of a guy. They all obey either their husband or really smart boss. And then they become really smart because they're, like, listening to the guy's.
1: Hello. Yes, <laughs> you do have to turn the microphones on, don't you? And these ones, they take a little while to come and fly into action. Good morning. It's five past five. Grant Edwards here after a great start. And uh, we heard uh, TNT Radio News. And oh, isn't it good we didn't get that Patrick Henderson? Gosh, he's anti-Semitic, isn't he? Good grief, he's got it in for Israel. Oh, but I tell you what, the lot of them have. So is that Antonio Guterres as well, the United Nations General Secretary, General whatever it is, Secretary, and uh, I don't think Israel should even talk to them. I think they should pull out completely pull out of the United Nations. That's what I would do. Why is my microphone sounding a bit weird, is it? Tell me if it is. Number here is 021-732-425... Uh, well, uh, you can text me. Oh, better have the phone handy. Uh, you Give me a text, or you can... What else can you do? You can go over to... Um, Rumble, I suppose, it could be someone there. I don't know. It doesn't work very well for me. Rumble, but if that's what you want to do, do it. But well, we're on everything else. Good, uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening to all those people in Canada and the United States. Thank you very much. We even had someone from. We had them from China. Now, who else? There yesterday, there was somebody listening. Now, where was he from? yeah you had some Chinese. How about that? Who else did we have? We've had people from really interesting places. Hopefully we don't get any sort of Islamic people listening, because I'm not that. F- I don't really sort of like enjoy them. I, it's the Quran that's the problem. You see, it was Winston Churchill. He said that the Quran. He read it through, studied it. He said it's a minecamp of war. Now that's the problem. You see, it's the book itself and all those hadith that they follow. Now you've got some backslidden Muslims who don't follow the Quran. They're the safe ones the Baxton ones and the best ones of all the Arabs the best Arabs of all are the ones that become Christians they just completely are transformed and I've actually got something there on that and it's a little bit later in the program I'll do that and I know that I'm guilty of um, saying to you oh look coming up in the program and I'll never get to it so I better write that down now so that's the Palestinian so called they're not Palestinians they're Arabs uh, Palestinian and he has he talks about Uh, about his life in Gaza. So it's not just the only one. Um, Sorry, Noni Darwish isn't the only one. Her father was a a Fedayeen. I think they call themselves Fedayeen. He was a terrorist leader of the Fedayeen back in the 1950s and 60s. You've got to realise that this is not all about, this is not about Israel's right to existence. No, they, they will never give Israel the right to exist. None of the Arabs want Israel to exist. That's the truth of the matter. Unless they've become Christians... And they are, and they believe the Bible, which tells us that Israel is the, the land of the Jews. That's why they're coming back. The Bible says that every single, uh, all the Jews will become come back into the land where he's, they've been scattered. And these as Askenazi Jews, that people go on about the Askenazi Jews and how terrible they are, and I wasn't sure what they meant. But I've looked at it and it's basically German Jews, you know, sort of European Jews. And they're the ones hated the most by, by other Europeans, by other people from all over the world, people ignorant, stupid people that, that believe nonsense, doctrines of devils, they believe. Absolute rubbish. The Jewish people have done so much for our world, just as the Bible says that they would be a blessing to the world. And they are some of the brightest people in the world. Well, they are. They are the brightest. The Ashkenazi Jew has the highest IQ in the world. That's a gift from our God, from our Creator. It's just wonderful. I mean, they can't, many of them, obviously, there are some Messianic Jews who believe that the Messiah is Jesus Christ. But there's many that are um, very intelligent people, but they just absolutely reject that whole idea. And they don't really think, it. the Bible says that they're veiled. The Apostle Paul writes that they've got this veil. You think, oh, you give them Isaiah 53. Go and have a read of that. It's in the Old Testament. Isaiah 53. Read it through. It's pretty clear it's talking about Jesus Christ. Now, we can't prove that that was written uh, before the event, you know, about 700s before Jesus Christ came to the earth. We can't prove that. We believe that, but we can't prove beyond a shadow of a doubt but we can prove that Isaiah. Uh, sorry, that we can prove that Daniel chapter nine. It's known as Daniel's seventy weeks. That can be proven, and it is proven outside of the Bible that an event would take place about oh four hundred and eighty-three years before Jesus Christ rode into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey. Now, when a king comes into the city of Jerusalem, it, when he comes in peace. He rides a donkey. When he comes in to, to war, to, you know, comes you know to fight, he rides a horse. King Solomon rode into the city of Jerusalem on a what? On a donkey. Because he came in peace. And there was peace right throughout the Middle East when King Solomon reigned in the United States, or well not the United States, it's the United Kingdom of Israel. And he was friends, he had alliances with Arabs from all over the world, all over the Eastern world, the Middle East. In fact, he had an alliance with the king of Syria. I think that one of his daughters married King Solomon. He had a lot of wives and concubines. But we won't go there today. And he sent ships. These These two kings got together and they sent ships, and I'm talking ships, not little boats, on world, you know, Transit, not not just transatlantic, but round the world yachts. Not (laughs) I'm thinking yacht race. Round the world voyages, and they weren't round the Mediterranean. They were three-year voyages, voyages of discovery. One thousand ships at a time. The Bible tells us with this king of Assyria. And when did that happen? Well, a long time ago, about three thousand years ago. So were these? Who were these people? Did they come to New Zealand? Probably, they probably did. They were a lot cleverer than we're making out today. They were uh, very, very, very clever. It's very—that's a word we use here a lot, isn't it, New Zealand? Very, 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 very clever they were indeed. It's twelve past seven. We'll do. We'll look look at weather in a minute. Um, I've got an interesting morning lined up for you. Um, I was just chatting about that, but I think I'll stop chatting about that now. Palestinian. That's right. You're going to have him. I've got him there. Palestinian speaks. So if I write things down. I don't forget. Okay, um, in a moment, we all, I'll be right back, and we're going to talk, um, we're going to have a bit of a, I'll read through a few things that are happening in the front page of the um, Radio New Zealand, and then we'll go and have a look at uh, stuff, see what they're up to this morning, if there's anything, maybe from last night, and then we'll also have a look at uh, News Hub. We'll go to the the Times of Israel. We'll go to the Jerusalem Post. And we'll look at uh, Aruchiva, which is, uh, what's that one called now? That, oh, that's the Times of Israel. The other one is called Israel National News. We'll have a look at them as well. Uh, there, is a, um, there is a radio station which I highly recommend you listen to. It used to be far bigger. It used to have um, news every hour, and they had a lot of announcers, people like Tovia Singer, Tamar Yona, she's still doing she's still there, after all these years like 20 years ago I used to listen to the Israel National Radio, they've changed the name to Israel News Talk and it seems to be um, a, a much smaller crew, so they seem to do a lot of repeating of of things but it's still worthwhile so it's Israel National no, Israel News Talk that's the name, with Tamar Yona. And she's very, very good. She's living over there right now. I think both of her sons are in the in the fight, in the war against the terrorists. That's what they are, against Arab terrorists. And there were probably even some people from. I mean, the largest Muslim country in the world is Indonesia. I think they've got 240 million. I said thousand the other day. When I say things like that, you know that I, you know what I mean. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> Biden. You know the thing. Uh, so. They've got 240 million, and that's what, well, probably a lot more now. That was just, that was about five years ago. And I think they just about multiplied by five. And when they go to migrate to different countries, like they'll come into New Zealand here and they'll be, they're, they're doubling in number about five by five, I think, every five years. Well, they double in number, oh, I don't know. I had the figures there, can't remember, but it's huge anyway. And that's because they have more wives than we do, and they have more children than we do. We don't have enough kids, so we're going to be bred out. Very clever, isn't it? and our leaders are allowing this to happen they're allowing Islamic immigration and many of them are young men fighting age, battle age and that's very scary for me I'd like to know. I like to know are these people that are like a cell group are they just waiting are they just waiting for the orders to come when they do their attack it's hard to tell it would be nice if we knew who they were wouldn't it, or the, who the terrorists were and that's another thing um, they're talking about um, banning things, like banning the flags, uh, like, um, what was it now, the uh, Palestinian flags, they're talking about banning them. Well, that's ridiculous, you can't ban a flag. And how is that going to stop? And banning gang patches, you know, like the the gangs in Apotheke, they want to stop them wearing patches. Well, no, I want to know who they are, wear your patches, wear your red t-shirts and your red caps and red sneakers and all the things that they do to sort of identify them, I want to know who they are. And also, if we have any neo Nazis living here, I want them to know who they are. Wear your armband. With your SWAT sticker on. Don't ban it. Shouldn't ban anything. I want to know who these people are. So I can avoid them. So I can keep an eye on them. I don't want I don't want to be um, sort of like having conversations with people who hate the Jews. I don't I don't really want to have conversations with them because it's a spirit. Hating the Jewish people has been happening since time immemorial if you go through the bible the jewish people have been persecuted for thousands of years for no good reason and they make up reasons oh they're so rich you know then oh they're running the banking system that's because god's given them intelligence they're smart people smart very smart and i tell you what i would say that 99.9% of all the propaganda that's out there about Jews, about, about the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds, you know, I think one day when the truth comes out, we're going to feel, be absolutely ashamed of ourselves for spreading such lies. For us, we're spreading misinformation. But for the people that, that tell this stuff to us and that we repeat it without really checking properly, that's disinformation. They're doing it on purpose to disinform the public. And it's been going on, and they just tell absolute lies. I mean, the Arabs uh, that are over there in, in, in Gaza I mean, those people, they're Arabs, go to an Arabian, go to Saudi Arabia. They won't have them. Why? No country will have them. You know why? Because they're being used in a proxy war. The entire Arab world, and even leftists from all around the world we're talking European people leftists who hate God's people, who hate the Bible, atheistic people they hate the Jews because they are of their father the devil, the Bible tells them these are people, they are children of disobedience and that's why it's just natural for them to hate God's children because in the Bible it promises us they have a promise, they are the children of Israel, are God's chosen people and Christians, because of the Jews' unbelief at the time of Jesus, then we are able to be God put them aside he didn't cast them away altogether he scattered them though all right throughout the land out of out of the um, because he wanted them to obviously wanted them to go all over the place I don't know why Um, he banished them from Israel God did this man didn't do this God used men God used the Romans to get rid of them to scatter them I don't know it's probably punishment for murdering for killing the son of God the son of man their saviour they killed him their messiah, they killed him, they didn't realize they thought he was going to come as a as a uh as a as a mighty you know king a lion of Judah that's what they were looking for they didn't see they didn't read properly they didn't understand many did many did most of the early the early Christians of course were Jews, all the disciples were Jews. Jesus is a jew <laughs> from the tribe of Judah, the ones that everybody's saying that oh what terrible people Judah you know the jude you know that the, the de- look Adolf Hitler was following the orders of the Roman Catholic Church. Why? Because they believe in the doctrine of replacement theology. And so their aim is to when they've got to get rid of they, the replacement theology is that when every time the Bible says the word Israel, it's not referring to the Jews. It's not referring to the children, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the um, you know the twelve tribes. Not referring to that, it's referring to the Roman Catholic Church. That's why they're over there. They want to take it over. Do you know that the Antichrist, this world dictator that's going to come on the scene very soon, don't know when, it could be in a hundred years' time, but I doubt it, I think he's ready now, I think he's alive now, waiting, ready, to be transformed, because he's going to be transformed, because he's going to become, uh, devil himself is going to enter into him. So he'll be a transhuman, that's what he's going to be. And he's going to make himself out to be God, and he's going to stand in the temple in Jerusalem. He's going to take his headquarters from wherever they are—Brussels, New York, wherever. He's going to rule the United Nations, and he's going to rule the European Union. He's going to bring all of those ten kingdoms—not ten nations, not ten states—ten kingdoms. And he's going to—he's going to—he's going to rip out, probably destroy three of those kingdoms. And he's going to set up his headquarters. In Jerusalem. And he's gonna and who's gonna help him? The Roman Catholic Church are gonna help him get there. And then he's gonna turn on her. He's gonna turn on Babylon. Babylon is the Babylonian religion that comes five thousand years old. That's why all the rites and ceremonies that the Roman Catholics do in their church, all of that stuff, it's all ancient Babylonian goddess worship, mother and child worship, Madonnas. They've got black Madonnas, they've got all over the world the stories of, of this paganism and all that, all that's happened is that when Constantine apparently became a Christian saw a vision of a cross or something like that, probably nonsense he realised he couldn't beat the Christians <laughs> the more they persecuted them the more it grew and so he thought right we'll get, we'll get control of this so he tried to blend his paganism Rome was a pagan city it comes from Babylonians Babylonians, the Medo-Persians, the Grecians, the Romans, it's all paganism, and that's what we've got today. He said, I've got to get rid of them. How do you do that? Well, I'll blend my paganism with these new Christians, and that's not, you can't, darkness and light can't blend together. So the Roman Catholic system of religion is absolute satanic paganism. That church, not the people in it, because Jesus said, and I think it's uh, Revelation 17 or 18, he said, come out of her, my brethren. So there are Christians in there, but they're, they're disobeying God. They're ordered to come out like Chinnicky did. He came out. Fifty years in the Church of Rome, he was a priest, he came out. Like um, Reuben Israel, who passed away this year, Reuben Israel, the street preacher, he was in the Roman Catholic Church. So hes I think he's Mexican or from somewhere like his... I think that's where he comes from. He came out of that Roman Catholic Church. And his first street preach was outside that church. His whole family just rejected him because his eyes were opened. A friend of mine, Steve Bolton, 47 years in the Roman Catholic system of religion. And then his eyes were opened. And he realized that he needed to put his faith in Jesus Christ of the Bible not the Jesus Christ of the Roman Catholic system, which is not the Jesus Christ of the Bible it's Tammuz that's why when the, when the, during the Spanish Inquisition, when they went to South America they couldn't get over it, the priests they went there they couldn't get over it. all they were all wearing crosses all these South American, the Incas and all those ones, they were already doing it, they were pagan because all of that Babylonian goddess worship went on ships all around the world, like I was saying before, all around the world and ended up in South America. Everywhere, even in New Zealand, we've got signs of it. Maoris are following an ancient pagan religion. When they came here, they learned it from the ships that they were on. They came here as slave crew, picked up from the islands, and dropped off here. They didn't paddle here on dugout logs made with stone tools. They were crew on ancient ships that came here. Plenty of evidence, being covered up by the New Zealand authorities. Covered up. That's the facts of it. And I know, oh, you don't want, well, you know, we don't want to admit that that's how they got here. But anyway, that's uh, that's the truth of that. Um. All over the world they were sailing. I keep losing my train of thought, don't I? Anyway, it'll, it'll come back to me. I must write while I talk. It's twenty-four minutes past we'll look at weather and then we'll have a look at the front pages and see what's happening there a lot happening in Israel uh, we're talking about the hatred of the Jewish people and you've got to ask yourself if you hate the Jews if straight away you sided with, with, with terrorists 80% or more probably more than that I would say just about everybody in Gaza that's living there uh, I mean there, there will be some people that don't want to live, live like that uh, but you know, it's, they're brought up that way it's just they're just brainwashed. They learn they learn hatred of the Jewish people at school. It's in the textbooks, according to Noni Dawish, who lived there, lived through it. That's the one whose father was killed by a uh, uh, by Israeli soldiers. They came, they shot, they shot him dead. He was a terrorist organization. But she still loves Israel because she knows that her father was a bad man. But he was brainwashed, just like she was brainwashed. But she became a Christian, and her eyes were opened. It's like scales came off off her eyes. So that is that we 'll hear from a Palestinian who speaks as well, and he tells he he reiterates what i 'm telling you um, i 'll get that very soon, so i 've got it written down so i won 't forget about that okay when we come back we 'll go to the new zealand um, r n z Radio New Zealand and see what 's uh, what 's happening there also oh before I do what 's this nonsense about this big storm up in Vanuatu i can 't see that there 's a storm up there we 'll talk about that as well the storm the cyclone. I better write that down. Cyclone. There we go. Cyclone. Okay. Let's. Uh, I'll be right back. I'll just um, go and uh, pour myself a nice glass of water. Drinking too much coffee, I think. Far too much coffee. So I'll be back uh, in a moment. And uh, we've had the smart woman lady, haven't we? She's good. I tell you what, Billy T. Will just um, take you the news for you. We'll have Murray news right now, and then after the Murray news, I'll, I'll have a look at Red New Zealand news. <coughs>
2: Anyway, over to more for
3: the forecast for yesterday. <laughs> oh, hello, hello. Oh, well, as you fellas can see, it's uh, raining and wakariri up north and windy and wetter down
2: south. So if you fellas live in the middle, may as well stay home because no bloody good anywhere else.
1: <laughs> no bloody good anywhere else. Thank you, Billy T., the greatest um, race relations conciliator New Zealand's ever had, and uh, one of the best comedian, I think, him and. Fred Dagg, John Clark were the two best comedians this country's ever seen, and uh, we need more of them. And uh, what I liked about them is they didn't swear. You know, there was no F-words, like Mike King. I think he'd be probably... I was so disappointed in him. He could be funny if he wanted to be. Uh, I don't find him funny at all. I remember once going to a a comedy show, after hearing people on television, then going to a comedy show and all I heard was the F-word about every fourth or fifth time, and I just, gosh, just walked out. I just didn't want to hear it. You know, people swear. I swear from time to time. But I don't want to hear it. (laughs) We've got double standards, haven't we? I don't want to go and pay money to hear someone swearing. I just think it's a a total lack of uh, vocabulary. There's no excuse. Terrible habit to get into. I started swearing after Wellington when the police attacked ordinary New Zealanders protesting the government's mandates and other things. Many of them. They were just ordinary people. And how the media turned them into, uh, you know, just like uh, turn them into sort of like right-wing terrorists or something like that. That's how the media portrayed them. But they were just ordinary mums and dads, boys and girls, and they went to, to Wellington. And not one of them, not one of those politicians, those criminals inside our parliament, not one of them came to speak to them. And that's outrageous. That's what the Parliament grounds are for. They're there for protests. They're there for you to come to the steps of Parliament and present your petition or protest. And if they don't come down, if they'd come out and spoken to them, they would have packed up their tents and gone away. They wouldn't have even set up tents. They would have come down. They could have had a week-long hui, I think they call it, a meeting. They could have had a meeting for you know a week where people got a chance to be able to say what the problem is and politicians were able to talk to them about, you know, this is why we're doing this. We hear you, New Zealand, but they never did that they didn't do it and that's what pissed everybody off and then they brought the thugs in they brought in pol- a certain police said no I'm not going to do that good, good, the good police the great policeman said I'm not doing that I'm not going down there so they brought in thugs specially trained to just bash people up bash them up break broke ribs dislocate shoulders broken ribs um, one guy got a broken hip you know broken eye sockets this is the New Zealand police these are the thugs that that this government. This we're heading to. We we are. We're in the deep and the thick of a war against our own government. And I don't. And it, they're tyrannical. We've got to wake up, you know. And our doom was going on about about you know democracy, democracy this democracy that. She's a communist. And the globalists don't care whether you're a fascist or a Nazi or a globalists or communists rather, so long as you do what they tell you these people aren't doing what the people want that's why they didn't come out because they, were, they had no intention of listening to us and changing their mind There, they had every intention of carrying out uh, orders from an international from a foreign power and that is treason you're supposed to be loyal to you, the people of this country and that's why NZ Loyal was formed because they are loyal to New Zealanders. They could see what's going on. Ordinary people, ordinary New Zealanders are stepping up now. Just like in the United States, they stepped up against the British because they had to pay taxes, didn't they? And yet they weren't getting any representation. And so they said, enough of that. And they had a war, didn't they? The War of Independence. Let's hope we don't have a war here. Let's hope we can overthrow these bastards and get them out through voting. Let's hope they don't take away the voting altogether. That's what that um, World Health guy, what's his name? Not World Health, the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab. That's what he wants to do. He said he, he doesn't, there shouldn't be any real need for voting. Um, I've got something from him, but anyway, what did I say we're going to do? Well, I'll just quickly let you know what's happening with the weather. I hope it's going to be right. I hope that storm Lola doesn't come down here and bother us. But you never know. We'll look at the storm in a minute. Uh, but right now, I'm going to go straight to weather. So I'll do that now. What have we got here? We've got extremes. This is the latest. I think it's the latest. Let's see. Yes, it just came out at 4.30. So it's not too bad. Uh, the highest temperature right now, you're not going to believe this, Napier over on the east coast there of North Island, North Island, is um, 17.6 degrees. omarama which is down on the South Island, that's where is that now? That's Mackenzie country. That is probably one of the coldest places in New Zealand. In June, I think it was. Uh, I record the record here, according to Met Service, who you know could be a bit dangerous, the Meteorological Service, a bit dodgy, could be hiding data. Niwa, hmm. Okay, um, anyway, Omarama, it was minus 9.7. 9.7. Right now, it's the coldest right now, but it's, it's, it's warmed up a lot. It's quite warm and toasty down there in O'Marima at the moment. 4.6 degrees. That would be pretty cold if you were living up in, say, Northland, wouldn't it? That's a chilly morning. Castle Point is the windiest place to be. If you're in Castle Point, it's always windy there. 46 kilometres per hour, which is not very much. 46 is about 25 knots, maybe a bit more not much because knots it's a bit different to miles per hour like land miles what they call that statute miles I think it is I think that's what it's called the weirdest place is I that's down not far from Levin just south of Levin between Wellington and Levin Levin people used to say if you blink you'd miss it but Levin's a beautiful town I was born there in the Levin Maternity Hospital I was in 1960 and it was fabulous I had my tonsils out there why would they take your tonsils out I wonder you need those what happens is when they take the tonsils out because it's been causing you've got a throat infection probably caused through the childhood vaccines okay so they take the tonsils out and what does that do that causes the the, the problem the infections that you're getting because you've been jabbed up and you're not able to fight your body's not able to fight uh, and, you know have no immunity against it's things that are happening with your body it's just as there's just this war going on the whole time the glue air and all that cock desk glue air snotty nose continuous colds um tonsillitis they call it tonsillitis I've given it a name tonsillitis <laughs> so your tonsils have got anitis. It's an infection in there because your body's not well and then they rip your tonsils out. Oh that'll fix it. Well what's that light doing? Well that's like taking your car to the mechanic and, and you say to him, Look, I've got this problem with the vehicle. Uh, what's the problem there? Uh well I've got the red light on and it's, it's I think it's the oil light. I've got there's a red light in the dash there anyway, the oil light. So obviously there's something wrong, obviously the oil's not um, moving around properly, or I'm low. I've am low. i checked the oil and it's, it seems like it's got some oil in it, so there's some problem with my car. Maybe the thing that sucks the oil up from inside the engine is not um, working, it's all blocked up maybe, or something like that. And the mechanic says to you, all right, no, I, I know I've fixed it, will you come back in half an hour or something? You come back, and, so what did you do? He said, well, I ripped the oil light out. I ripped it out, I tore it out, you don't need that and so that we fixed it. That's what they do when they take the tonsils out. They're taking the red warning light out on the dashboard and saying, we've fixed it now. But they haven't fixed it at all. The problem's still there. And so what happens when you take the oil light out? Well, your car blows up. What happens when you take the tonsils out? The infection goes deeper into the body, and then you start having bronchitis, and you start having lung infections because you've had your tonsils out, which are there to, to uh, pr- you know, protect you. It's the first line of defence. But, but, you know, if you didn't have those childhood vaccines, you wouldn't have all this problem. And I'll tell you why. Just before I do we- go any further with the weather, I'm going to pop over to talk to Steve Kirsch. It's 27 minutes to 6. Now, Steve Kirsch, he had 10,000 people in a survey. He's got about, oh, I don't know, a quarter of a million people are subscribers t- to Steve Kirsch's newsletter. That's with a K. And it's K-I-R-S-C-H. Steve Kirsch. And he's at Substack. Kirsch it's just I think I thought it was a Kirsch dot Substack, but it's not. It looks like it's just Kirsch Substack.com. And he says that he writes about COVID mitigation policies, vaccines, neurological diseases and conditions, corruption, censorship, and early treatments. He says that the data shows that vaccines we're not talking We're not talking um, the COVID vaccines. We're talking about childhood vaccines. The data shows that vaccines are ruining the health of Americans and driving the epidemic of neurological conditions. Now, if that's happening to Americans, it's happening to Canadians, Australians, it's happening to New Zealanders, it's happening to everybody that takes their child in, this perfectly healthy baby, and straight away they jab a fake vitamin K into the heel. First thing they do, and they don't ask you; they just do it. And then you're branded as like an anti-vaxxer, because you don't want your child to have diseases. Because you, you've you've looked at Steve Kirsch and others, others, and you know there's people with kids with autism and all that, and they're denying it. They're pretending it's something else. I believe that the the whole thing of um, viruses. It was invented, this virus nonsense was invented to cover up the damage The damage that um, that vaccines, childhood vaccines, and other drugs are doing to us. And they say, oh, you must have a vaccine. Vaccine injury. Not, so they say you must have a, a virus, rather. Yep. You've got a virus, and it's not. It's a, it's a vaccine injury. That's the problem. Anyway, so he had 10,000 people 10,000 people came back, he sent out a survey 10,000 of his quarter of a million people on his list had never, their children had never had a vaccine a childhood vaccine, not one, even vitamin K and the mother had never had a vaccine not one of those people had any neurological disorders had any chronic diseases or allergies, not one And there's never been a study, an official study done in this country. They've been saying, "Oh, we should do that in America," but they never. Twenty years later, still haven't done it. Because they know the truth. They know that their vaccines, the pharmaceutical industry, which the Bible calls sorcery, pharmakia (Greek word translated in the King James Bible, sorcery), so they're pretending that something so wonderful is actually so evil. And it's destroying, it's killing us. Why is that? Because the devil hates us. And he wants to kill us. And he uses money, wealthy people. He makes people rich through the pharmaceutical industry to kill us. It's a multi-pronged attack to kill creation, mankind. Because the devil hates you. Because his end is the lake of fire. And he wants to take as many people as he can with him. And he doesn't want you to hear the gospel. Not at all. He doesn't want you to hear it. He wants you to die before. And he probably wants you to die after the age of 20 because I believe there are, there are verses in the Bible which says that you've got up till the age of 20. That's why they weren't allowed to go into battle until they were 20 the Israelites. And when they did, they had to stay home for a year and make sure that the, the wife got pregnant. If they, when they got married a married man was not allowed to go into battle for 12 months it's like a honeymoon isn't it yeah alright let's get back to the weather now. where do we get up to extremes oh gosh great you're all over the show today oh I know it's just terrible so we've got Steve Kirsch so we'll move away from him I've just got to toggle tog him away around and get back to the weather and uh, gosh we still haven't done it we should have done that half an hour ago ok so we've got the extremes um Stewart Island, but it's basically sort of the coldest place in is Invercargill, isn't it? Well, it's Oamaru at 4.6, and the warmest place is Napier, so it's pretty pretty nice. I mean, I had a walk outside there earlier, or oh, at about three o'clock, and it was quite quite nice, actually, quite pleasant. And I am a wee bit worried about this big storm Lola that's coming down there. They're talking about speeds of a 205, you know, over in fact up to 320 kilometres per hour. They're talking about a category five. That was yesterday. Uh, They've downgraded it this morning, I think, to a Category 4. But I I don't know what they're talking about. Because um, when I go over to um, Windy, and I'll just do that now. uh, I'm going to have a quick look at that before I finish off this weather. Because I'm just going to do it. Where are we now? So I'm just going to go over to Windy. And what I see is nothing like what they're telling me. I'll just zoom in. So there's New Zealand down the bottom there. And I'm just going to go head north on Windy. And there I can see this jolly thing. But when I zoom in on Vanuatu, and there's Loganville, that's supposed to be quite hard hit. This is real time. And I see a cyclone. But then, and they talk about the eye of the storm. I'll read that a bit later on how they're talking. It's like they're t- putting the frighteners on us. You know, I, I just wonder whether this is all true. Because when I look at it, the eye of the storm, well, we know that there's no. It's about one, one knot. It's about two kilometers per hour, or just over there's nothing there but then when you go further out that's when storms storms are worse further out but you've got I've got 35 knots well that's not you know that's a fair that's a fair wind I've got to tell you but it's not you know 160 knots is it which is what they're saying I'm looking around 39 knots pretty breezy there what have we got up here just just sort of um, near Longana they've got 40 knots that's a fair old wind you know you're 38 knots 42 knots but th- but that's you know that's nowhere near what they're talking about. They're saying right now she's and I'm looking at her here now, so what's the problem? It just doesn't make any sense to me that they're saying this about the weather, and I'll talk about that in a moment, but I'll just give the short forecast for New Zealand, and then I will uh, look at the um look at that story. there's a few stories there. Let's look at the short forecast for Northland first of all, cloudy cloud increasing, you have a few showers developing this morning. For Auckland and Manawatu, including the Coromandel and the Bay of Plenty in the central high country, uh, a, you've got a period of morning rain followed by isolated showers, and then you've got increasing fine spells, so that's good, isn't it? For Gisborne and the Waiarapa, fine apart from scattered rain this morning. Horowhenua and Wellington. I know you say, what, what did he say Horowhenua?" for? It's not Horawanua. So it's not Horowhenua. It's horafenua, Well, I don't want to, do I? I don't want to. I want to just pronounce it with an aspirated WH, and I, I'm going to. And if there's any Mariners listing and you're offended by that, well, I'm offended by you slaughtering the English language. So from horafenua to Wellington, also for Marlborough and Nelson, remaining showers clearing this morning and becoming fine. Buller, Westland and Fjordland as well. We call it Fiordland, but it's just Fjordland that's how I was taught to say it anyway showers becoming isolated by afternoon however rain returning to Fiordland and South Westland this evening with heavy falls uh, possible and also thunderstorms as well for Canterbury, Otago and Southland mainly fine however early rain about the coastal Otago area with high cloud increasing this afternoon and rain developing about Queenstown Lakes and Western Southland tonight and in the Chatham Islands, cloudy periods, rain developing late morning. The extended forecast, well, we'll go up to the weekend and see what it's going to be like. For the North Island tomorrow, Thursday, a few showers turning to rain about Capity Coast and Wellington, uh, but the remaining dry in Gisborne and Hawke's Bay. Northwesterlies rising to gale force about Wellington and Wairapa. For the South Island, you've got rain. Uh, that's west, uh, rain in the west. You've got heavy falls, scattered rain elsewhere, You've even got some snow uh, down in the south, down to 200 metres, which is pretty low. So it must be going to be pretty cold there. That's in the south at night, a bit of snow. On Friday for the North Island, you've got a few showers, but mostly dry in Gisborne and Hawke's Bay. Very warm there at the moment, haven't we? 17.6, I think. Did we say it was Hastings? Something like that. Was it Hastings? Uh, Napier, 17.6. It's pretty warm for... Quarter to quarter to six, and it was like that at five o'clock, five to twenty, when this came out, and this is real time. Those those um, what do you call it? Extremes. They're real time. Uh, for some reason, there's a bit of a racket going on in the background there. There must be some someone got the radio going. Turn that radio down. Okay. Now um, what are we up to? a Buller, in the South Island Buller in Westland. Don't don't know why they call it Buller. Probably they had bullocks pulling pulling old carry logs or something like that through the trails, so they call it Buller. I don't know, I have to find out. It could be Mr Buller, Lord Buller, I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, in Westland and Fiordland, showers becoming isolated by afternoon. However, rain is returning to Fiordland and Southland and the South Westland area and that's going to be uh, later on in the evening with heavy falls and possible thunderstorms. In Canterbury, Otago and Southland, mainly fine weather. However, early rain about close to Otago and then you've got high cloud increasing in the afternoon with rain developing about Queenstown Lakes and Western uh, Southland tonight. Why would they say tonight? Oh, that's because I went back and did the short forecast, you knit. <laughs> oh, just give it up. <laughs> Friday, the North Island, you've got showers, mostly dry about Gisborne. Did we do that Saturday? what's We all don't know what it's going to be like for Saturday. That game is, fr- is Sunday, isn't it? the big game is it all blacks versus all blacks that's rugby isn't it Um, that's going to be against um, who's that going to be England is it I don't know I can't remember we'll have a look at that in a moment surely it'll be in the news we'll have a a gander at that it's quarter to six Uh, for the north island on Saturday mostly fine weather isolated showers in the east in the south island on Saturday you've got mostly fine weather but isolated showers in the south there we are in Chatham Islands mainly fine That's on Thursday, tomorrow. Then, northerlies you've got happening there. A few periods of rain on Friday and uh, in the morning, and then northwesterly strengthening, and then changing to showers and southwesterlies late on Wednesday and Saturday. So, that's the short forecast. In a moment, we'll do Radio New Zealand. And uh, yeah, I said I was going to do that about half an hour ago, didn't I? We'll do that then. We'll do that very shortly. Or I could do it just now. Should we just have a quick look? Go on then. Okay, radio. I was looking at a story, Auckland Hospital Emergency Department staff frustrated at the staff shortages, so we'll have a look at that as well. But let's look at the front page. So it's all about that uh, Vanuatu, the big storm, Lola. Vanuatu is bracing itself for destructive hurricane force winds. Air Vanuatu has suspended all domestic and international flights, while authorities are calling ships back into the harbour in anticipation of violent winds and a potentially tsunami-like storm surge. I just find that a bit hard to believe, actually. So we'll go in and have a look at that. and 300km per hour, they reckon. Air New Zealand has suspended all domestic flights. We said that. Lola was uh, earlier downgraded... Ooh, no, it was upgraded to a Category 5. So yesterday it was. It started off Category 2, then went 3, then it went 4. OK, and then it went up to Category 5. And we we're talking about 300km per hour winds... And so that's what they call that, a red alert, and people are up there putting, um, you know, masonry blocks up on top of the roof, and I think that's probably why they're told to cut down trees, because they'll put the trees, I don't know, what do they do, they put them on the roof or something and latch them to the roof to try and keep the roof on. The houses over there look like they are built of cement, they look pretty sturdy, but those roofs, you know, the corrugated iron roofs, I suppose they could just rip off, couldn't they, if it was really blowing. So the winds of over 300 kilometres an hour. The tropical cyclone Lola is sitting just to the northeast of Vanuatu. This was last night and is expected to crash straight into the archipelago on Wednesday, today. It's the uh, earliest recorded Category 5. Well, I think that's bullshit. I cry bullshit because I think they've hidden the data from years ago. And they did that. Ian Wishart exposed that uh, with Niwa hiding information about storms here in New Zealand. That was absolute nonsense, and they kept very. They had barometer readings. Those those ships uh, that were sailing all around New Zealand coast. That's how they got things around around the coast. They didn't have proper. Didn't have rail. Everything went on ship, and they they needed to rely on the barometer readings. And so there was there were like trig stations set up all over the place. Farmers. I I know. I met one old guy who would have been in his 90s, probably late 80s, and he said his great grandfather was taking them. Uh, taking the you know going going up to the trig station, getting information what the rainfall was, what the barometer reading was, and then he had to radio it back in, or you know sort of, sort of like did it did it did it. you know not Morse code, but yeah, there yeah, it is, isn't it? On the telegraph, you know, that's how they did it, and then radioed it in. And so that happened. They had these trig stations set up all over the all over the country, and they needed it. They needed to have information for the for the sailors, for the captains. And the f- chief officers and all that, so they knew, so they knew that what they, were, what they were heading for. Oh, we've got problems here, we'd better go into port, or we'd better head out. Head out, we'd better heave t- get off land, get some offage, and, and heave too. That's when you sort of park the boat in the ocean. That's right. Okay, so anyway, this tropical cyclone is sitting just northeast of Vanuatu, and it's expected to crash straight into the archipelago on Wednesday. It's the earliest recorded Category 5 bullshit uh, ever to develop in the South Pacific. Absolute rubbish. With the uh, official cyclone season not beginning until the 1st of November, and I'm looking at a photograph of a, a, a lovely man in his jandals, Isla, he's Vanuatuan, I don't know if that's what they call him. He's got all these blocks, cement blocks, too too deep. That's the ones you fill up with concrete, you know, around the base of the house, and he's got them up on the roof there, and he's got them everywhere. That's in Port Vila. He's preparing for the cyclone Vanuatu Meteorologist uh, Service acting director Fred Jockley. He said at midday, that was yesterday, Lola was about 175 kilometres southeast of Avanu Lava Vanua lava, the countries to the country's north, 120 kilometres northeast of Maie, Maewo, is it? Yeah, is it? It's Ma, Maiewo. They do it differently, don't they? They don't sort of do the diphthong thing. They just go Maiewo. I think that's what it is. In the south. He said that we're expecting it to come to the east of Penama Province. That's what he told Checkpoint last night. Now the trackers—they uh, not trekkers, trackers, trackers—not the ones that go in the bush, but the ones that are tracking the weather, the forecasters—that showed that Lola is on course to arrive at the archipelago late on Tuesday evening, late last night. And it has. We're looking at windy. You can see that it's passed there. It's passed to the southwest, hasn't it? And uh, it's still there though. Uh, Yes, it is. But, but, it he says that it will make landfall over Pentecost Island, wonder why it was called Pentecost Island, eh? Must have been all Christians, huh? Yeah. Crossing most, uh, probably, uh, from, uh, I think it's Malampa province, with a Category 5. That's what they're saying. Now, he said that locals have been told to seek shelter, to get prepared, to get water, and do what they need to do to get themselves prepared. Officials have organised evacuation centres in place, places like churches and schools. I'm looking at another photograph here. This man looks like he's got a, a great big huge board. It looks like he's going to board up the windows by the look of it, or the doors and the windows, because they'll blow in, won't they? But the house itself looks very robust. It looks like, the, I mean, it's pretty thick. It, you know, if it's masonry, it's filled with concrete and plastered over, but it's probably solid concrete with reinforced concrete. I don't know. They make them pretty strong now because they've had too many blow away. Now, Vanuatu meteorologist, uh, Meteorology and Hazards Department said that heavy rainfalls and flash flooding were expected over low-lying areas in areas close to the river banks, including coastal flooding on Tuesday and continuing on Wednesday today. At 3pm local time, that's 5 o'clock New Zealand time, the department said Lola's winds were blowing up to 215 kilometres per, per hour near its centre. Well, how could it be? The wind doesn't blow very much at the centre of a cyclone. I mean, if, if I just look, look, I'm just go over and look. I'm looking at windy now, and if there's anyone on Rumble, you can see there. There, there's the cyclone centre. I'll put my little mouse there, and it's two knots. That's the centre. I'll just give give you a bit more of a perspective. There's Vanuatu. We're talking about the same place, Loganville. That's what's in the news. And now last night it was up further north, but now it's moved down. But it, we're, we're talking about winds that are like 30, 30 40 knots. I can't see any uh, winds that... No, so 40 knots, that's what that's about. Sort of, that's a fair old hiking. That's 90 kilometres per hour. It's, it's still blowing. But it's not 215, which is what they've said here. Near the centre, that's just absolute bollocks. What are they talking about? They're trying to scare us. What are these people on about? In the next 24 hours, it was expected to develop very destructive hurricane-force winds, according to this guy. Gusts of up to three hundred and twenty kilometers per hour. What's that? Um, well, if it's one hundred and fifty, that's three hundred. One hundred 150, about a hundred. It's about two hundred miles per hour. That's about sort of a hundred and ninety. Oh no, that's about 180, 190 knots. That's fair old hiking. That's destructive, all right. But I don't see anything like that when I look at my my windy, and windy's pretty pretty accurate. Sailors use it all the time to see what the wind's doing. And I've got mine set on knots, I suppose I could change it to... Can I change it to kilometres so that we're all talking the same thing? Maybe I can, or maybe not. Anyway, oh, now I've gone and put something in the way. OK, but I don't see that. So the strongest wind I've got is about 40 knots. I'm clicking all around this hurricane right now. 25 knots there, 36 knots, 32 knots, 40 knots there. That's quite windy. So it looks like 40 knots, that, so that, that purple area, 46 there... Forty-six knots there, which is southwest, which is southeast, which would be south south east of Luganville. Um, in the islands of Vanuatu, there we go. It's pretty windy, but it's not three hundred and twenty kilometers per hour. This is what they're saying. It's going to affect Tauba, Sanma, Panama, Malampa, and Sifa. Shifa, It looks like even one hundred and sixty kilometers per hour from the eye of the storm bullshit it can't be 160 kilometres per hour in the eye of the storm how can it be I've got 2 knots what have I got there 9 knots there I'll try and get right in the middle of it I'll zoom in so I can be accurate this is the eye of the storm we've got 0 knots and that's how it is in the eye of a storm people, people that report on this stuff are they actually qualified <laughs> are they qualified meteorologists or are they just people parroting nonsense I've, just this makes no sense to me how they can say this sort of stuff, um now, who have we got here? They say that the this is the spokesperson they say marine marine strong wind warning is currently in for Vanuatu waters. Storm surge is expected along the eastern coastlines of affected northern islands. High seas wind warning is also current for northern quadrant of Vanuatu. People including sea going vessels are advised to take extra precautions. How do you do that? Uh, Vanuatu uh, Meteorological Service it has downgraded so they've up, 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 uh, upgraded the story they've downgraded the tropical cyclone Lola to a category four so it's easing off a bit but says that the massive storm will still pack a severe punch when it makes land Radio New Zealand correspondent in Vanuatu her name is Hilary Boulay she said on Wednesday evening last night conditions in the capital city Port Vila were calm yeah but strong winds were beginning to hit the northeastern islands of Ambe and Maewo. Winds close to the center of the storm were gusting up to 190 kilometers. Bullshit. Absolute nonsense. How could that be? Look what I'm looking at. I'm there now. Zero. Because in the eye of a storm, it doesn't blow, it's quiet. That's what happened with uh, Gabriel. When Gabriel passed over, it was blowing like a gale, but when, then all of a sudden it went kind of nice, oh, oh lovely, everyone thinks, oh, it's over, Whew. and then as it goes away, you get, the, you get the rest of it, because you've just come out of the eye of it. These people, are they qualified to talk like this? It just makes me wonder. Winds close to the centre of the storm were gusting up to 190 kilometres per hour, absolute nonsense, as trackers, and it was tracked in the south, uh, southwesterly direction towards the northern parts of the island chain. Okay, it's certainly it's moved on since then because I'm looking at it now in real time and the windiest we've got here is, uh, as you can see, if you're on rumble, you can see clearly that's 40 knots, 40, 45 down there, so it's quite windy ahead of the storm and even back behind it there, it'll be up there, it's 32 knots, not so bad, it'll be pretty windy there. That's just sort of um, northeast of, of um, where is it, northeast of Vanuatu, 42 knots, which is about, I don't know, what's that, 42, button uh, 80, 90 kilometres per hour. It's fair old hiking. That is a serious wind. But it's not 320 or even 200 kilometres per hour, is it? They're doubling it up. Why are they saying this? And why do they say the eye of the storm is, is strongest? I've got three knots. Everyone can see that clear. Look, this is windy. I'll just zoom out. If you go to Rumble you can look at this this program my breakfast program i put it on rumble 5 days a week you can have a look there and uh, if i've got any visuals I'll, I'll put it there anyway so we'll leave it there for the time being shall we uh, and we'll carry on with other news so this is what she said uh, and yeah, and that's that's the end of that story i just i i cry bullshit because i don't think it's really happening uh i don't know i can't see that it is how could it be how could it possibly be um that sort of wind. I'm looking at it now in real time. It's very accurate. Windy's very accurate. So, I, I don't know. I don't know how, how they get away with this. Three minutes to six, we'll pop over and we'll take the, um, sometimes during the eve- during the night, in the middle of the night, we'll take a pre recorded so late, late uh, the night before, we'll pre-record the news, a couple of lots of news, and we'll have that running on our program during the middle of the night, um, and then when I'm up and out of bed, we start taking real-time news. So, we'll go to uh, TNT Radio and we'll take their news live as it happens uh, in just a moment. Now, um, okay, so i better get back to where I'm supposed to be, which is over here. Uh, let me see. We'll go to, you. we're back on Radio New Zealand and so that's the destructive. Now what else have we got here? We've got the World Health Organisation. They're calling for humanitarian access and su- uh, su- supplies for Gaza. World Health Organisation is warning of a public health catastrophe if humanitarian access and immediate ceasefire is not allowed in Gaza. Well, no. Bullshit. Israel, have, they've turned off the water, they've turned off the electricity, parts of it they've turned back on again. They don't pay for their electricity. Israel gives them free electricity. They send them the bills they never pay. I think, I think it was something like, I think they owe something like half a, half a million US dollars is what they, they're owed. And, and they, they, then they end up wiping it. It's probably billions of dollars in electricity that they never pay in these massive cities. Gaza's huge, huge. 2.4 um, 2. million people live there, apparently. Uh, but no, when they release the hostages, then the fighting will stop. They've got to stop. And they're right now, these Palestinians are firing at them. It's not just Hamas. Everybody's involved. And they are using women and children. Israel's dropped leaflets all over the city telling them to get all over the northern part saying you need to get out because we're coming in with a ground invasion. We're coming in. But he said, well I think it was Galant or one of the leaders, they said, the Israeli commanders, they said that we will not come in on a ground invasion if you stop now and release all the hostages. And they shouldn't have, they should not be giving them any aid until all the hostages are released that they took. 1,400 people innocent civilians this is not war this is not um, rather it's not proper warfare you don't go attacking women and children in battles Where's that's just ridiculous Men need to fight on battlefields have a battlefield and have your war don't go attacking civilians it's just not on so no, no food Grant says Grant Edwards says they should get no humanitarian aid until that's none of them because They've got to release those, those hostages. They've, taken, they've kidnapped people. And these people aren't fighters. These people that, that came in and then massacred and slaughtered Israeli civilians and some soldiers, they're not, um, they're not fighters. They're not militants. They're terrorists. They're Islamic terrorists. And stop calling them militants and fighters. My father was a fighter during the Second World War. He was a fighter. He's a hero, and so was my uncles. So were my uncles. It was only one of them; <laughs> only one of them went. But you know, all those people that I rubbed shoulders with when I was a boy—wasn't you know—I was born in 1960. The war ended in 1945. So you know, as a young boy, they were—you know—the the, the war and what they'd been through was pretty raw. And um, they were heroes. They fought for the country. They believed they were fighting for the flag fighting for New Zealand because they were told to for queen and country they were were fighters and heroes but these ones these Islamic terrorists high on drugs high on captagin which is a methamphetamine which uh, that's what they they give them that to help them do the terrible things they do but even without that they'd be doing it why? because they're religious fanatics and they believe in killing all the Jews that's their aim they don't want to live in a two-state... Um, they don't want two states there. They want to kill all the Jews. They need to be gone. That's the heart of the matter. It's destruction of the Jews. All right, we've got TNT Radio Radio News. Oh, gosh, I talked right past it. Here he is. We'll put him on now.
4: ...will remove foreigners deemed a threat before approval from the European Court of Human Rights has heard their appeals. The plans would see France pay a fine if their removal was found to have violated the European Convention on Human Rights but not accept them back into the country. The plan is aimed at winning over voters on the right as part of an attempt to take voters who are considering backing Marine Le Pen's National Rally Party. It will see foreigners who have been served with deportation notices at risk of detention for 18 months while the removal process is handled. The measures would be implemented if they also have a criminal record or if they're on an intelligence agency watch list. Echoing Suella Braverman, Darmanin said there are no taboos in the fight against terrorism. The Foreign Office said it's working to secure the release of more hostages after the Hamas terrorist group gave up the mother of a British woman. Downing Street confirmed on Tuesday that at least 12 British nationals have been killed in the Israel-Hamas war, while five remain missing. It comes as Yochavit Lifshitz, mother of a British woman Sharon Lifshitz, was released on Monday along with 79-year-old Israeli woman Nurit Cooper. Hamas said it was a result of Egyptian-Qatari mediation efforts. Deborah Haines of Sky News reports on attending an IDF presentation of footage taken by Hamas during the October 7th attack that she said was intended to show the foreign media the horrors that triggered the current war.
5: The father ushers the boys out this door into a yard towards what looks to be like a safe room, um, a, a sort of walled shelter. The boys go in, the father follows, and then you see this grenade that's been thrown by one of the militants. It explodes. The father falls to the ground and his two sons emerge bloodied, traumatised. Um, they're clearly aware that, the, that their father uh, is probably dead. And then you hear them afterwards sitting in their kitchen, um, clearly talking to themselves about what's just happened. And one of these militants walks in, opens the fridge, offers the boys some drinks, say, saying, do you want water? One of the boys just says, I want my mummy.
4: Instagram's parent company, Meta, has apologized for an apparent bug that inserted the term Palestinian terrorists into the bios of some pro-Palestine users. The bug was noticed earlier this week by a TikTok user who posted a video explaining that Instagram had falsely auto-translated his friend's bio, which featured the word Palestinian written in English, the Palestinian flag emoji, and the word Alhamdulillah, praise be to God, written in Arabic. As praise be to God, Palestinian terrorists are fighting for their freedom. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen says we shouldn't be surprised
3: ever since hostilities escalated after October 7th with Israel and Palestine, we've seen massive censorship right across big tech. Many platforms are engaged in shadow banning censorship. This has been reported on multiple media outlets and some major influencers as well finding their feeds throttled. But this is an interesting revelation here. Meta, uh, which owns Instagram, Facebook as well, Instagram is now having to apologize for defaming all palestinians the entire population of palestinians calling them terrorists but we shouldn't be surprised because this kind of falls in line with the u.s government's language on this or with the israeli government's language on this which is that All residents of Gaza are somehow harbouring terrorists, or they're all Hamas, and anybody who dies is collateral damage. This is the language of war, and it looks like big tech is playing their role in fomenting the violence. For TNT Radio, this is Patrick Henningsen.
1: Well, it's pretty clear, isn't it, that Patrick's an anti-Semite? Pretty clear. He's believing information coming out of the Palestinian Authority, isn't he? And it's all rubbish. There's no proper journalist in there. They're all Arabs in there, and they're all—they all want the destruction of the Jewish state. Why? Because it's a Jewish state. They want to kill the, all the Jews. That's the heart of it. We've got to realise this is the truth of it. This is a war against Israel, Ju, Jerusalem. It's—it's a, it's a war against the Jewish people from all over the world. I tell you what. If I was a Jew right now, I'd be a bit petrified because I can see another World War II, um you know, Holocaust coming that's what they want that's what is coming anyway that will be coming and God will intervene because he will not allow Israel to be destroyed he will not allow it there might be some a lot killed but he will not allow an, another Holocaust like we've had that's why in the 1967 Six Day War when they were attacked from, I think just about every Arab nation attacked them in 1967. People from New Zealand went over to fight in that, and in the Yom Kippur as well in 1973. People that I know, Jewish friends, got on a flight, they were straight over there fighting. Do you know that they've had 150% of people uh, signing up, people volunteering to fight? They're fighting for their existence if Israel put their guns down tonight they'd be murdered in their beds by the morning. There wouldn't be a single Jew left in, in Israel. If the Palestinians, the Arab terrorists Patrick Henderson is talking absolute bollocks. If the Arab terrorists put down their guns there'd be peace tomorrow. Obviously people have to be brought to justice people that slaughtered 1,000 400 people murdered innocent people not fighters why? murdered because they were Jews that's why nothing to do with it's you know there's just this hatred in there it's demonic it's a devilish hatred the Islamic religion is satanic it's the enemy of the Lord's people and so is the Roman Catholic system of religion not the Roman Catholic people we all care about them but it's the it's the enemy of the Lord's people. It's designed to confuse you. The Roman Catholic system, terrible. That's a cult. So is Islam a cult? Anyway, so he is an anti-Semite, and there's no doubt about it. But they allow him to do that. Uh, but there's lots of people that are with TNT that are against it, against that. I just when I hear it like that, when I hear it so, just like straight away, he was blaming um you know, Israel for that hospital bombing. There was no hospital bombing. It was the terrorists. It's absolutely it was one of their rockets. Well probably a missile, probably bigger than a rocket. The rockets they they make them from the, the water pipes that Israel has laid for them to get water. They cut the water pipes up and turn them into rockets and fire them back. The people that supply them with electricity and aid, millions of dollars of aid, jobs, they come across they come across the border. They have to be searched because you don't know what they're carrying. You have to be checked to make sure they haven't got some dynamite strapped to them. Well, not dynamite, what do they use now? A TNT or something? I don't know. Some bombs strapped to their vests. They come in and instead of going to work, they go to a Jewish cafe and blow themselves up. So they have to check them at the border. But there are plenty of people that come across to work, but deep down in their heart they hate the Jews. Just like deep down in some of your hearts, you hate the Jews. You say, oh, it's not that. It's not that they just don't like Israel. It's an apartheid state. No, it's not. They're protecting themselves from people that hate their guts so much because there's wicked evil spirits in them. Wicked evil spirits. If you don't love the, the Lord's people, if you can't see in your heart that they are the Lord's chosen people, if you don't believe that, and your mind is dark, I suggest that you're devil-possessed it is just not right and and you know what the Bible says and you won't make a liar out of God it says those who bless Israel and the Jewish people God will bless those who curse you God will curse so if you hate Jewish people you just have this thing against them for no reason it's a prejudice, prejudicial you judge before you know before it's been judged Prejudge—that's what it means. Prejudice, prejudicial. If you have a prejudice towards them, I suggest you are demonically possessed. There's something wrong with you. And I, and I think that anti-Semitism—it's—it's it's not a sickness. I think it's a spiritual sickness. It's not just—I mean, we, we learn it from our, from 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 other people. There's no doubt about that. But I think for you know, grown-ups, we're grown-ups now, we're not little children, for grown-ups to hate the Jewish people for wanting to exist in the land that's been promised to them by the God of the Bible. If you're a Christian and you're not on the side of Israel, whether they've got good leaders or bad, God will sort them out. But Israel's prophecy is that they will come back into the land where God has scattered them from all through the world because of since when Titus ahead of the Roman legions in AD 70 just as Jesus foretold not one stone would be left unturned that sounds like the sacking of, of the city of Jerusalem and that's exactly what happened 40 years later gold in, those, gold in the temple they chipped the gold off every single stone and not one stone was left unturned just as he prophesied and then they were scattered right throughout the entire world and they've been scattered for two thousand years, and now they've been chased out of Europe, haven't they? the nineteen forties late thirties and forties? Some of them got out early. If it was me, if I was a Jew right now, I'd be heading for Israel because at least I know there that God is going to protect me, that his angels, mighty angels, will protect me there Well and if I did die, i know I know that I'd be dying for the right cause. I know Christians that want to take up arms and head to Israel to fight for the Israelis because they believe that they are the armies of God I believe it too but in New Zealand we've got laws you're not allowed to go and fight in foreign countries so you can't go and I don't think they'd have you anyway, my friend a <laughs> friend was telling me, I want to go over and help but I, I said to him, I don't think they'd have you because these kids, I mean they go the first, before they go to university they go into the IDF the, Austri- the uh, Israeli Defence Force and they have to learn learn about warfare, don't they? and learn how to fight against an enemy which is hiding behind women and children very difficult and because of the hatred of the Jewish people which is in many people not just Arabs because of that hatred they have to be exemplary and they are according to Colonel Kemp who was the head of the Allied Expeditionary Forces in Afghanistan British guy he might have been I think he said Allied UK anyway he is um, he said I've got him here Let's have a look and see if I can find Colonel Kemp uh, and see what he says. We'll get it from him. He's a, yes, he's a British colonel, uh, and there was the Goldsmiths'
3: report. Have a listen to this. When the infamous Goldstone report excoriated Israel and exonerated Hamas, UN Watch fought the report and changed the debate.
2: I'm the former commander of British forces in Afghanistan, I served with NATO and the United Nations, commanded troops in Northern Ireland, Bosnia and Macedonia, and participated in the Gulf War. Mr. President, based on my knowledge and experience, I can say this. During Operation Cast Lead, the Israeli Defense Forces did more to safeguard the rights of civilians in a combat zone than any other army in the history of warfare.
3: When Colonel Kemp's speech went viral, UN Watch continued to campaign against the Goldstone report, and Judge Goldstone
1: retracted. There you go. How about that? Quarter past six. You're on the Liberty, and Dead breakfast with Grant Edwards. That's me. That's my name. Now, uh, so we've got that one out of the way. So we now know that most of it's lies. When they when they report when these reports come out, it's absolute Hollywood, Pallywood, Palestinian Hollywood, Pallywood. That's what they're doing. They are lying about everything. They said 500 people were killed in that bombing. Nonsense. Turned out to be absolute rubbish. But what do we do? If you find yourself believing that, then you're probably an anti-Semite. Or as one of the one of the announcers at TNT said, or it, if you're not that, if you don't hate the Jews, you're just pretty stupid. You're not very bright. That's what he says. Let's hear from the, a former a, a Palestinian, so-called. He speaks out. This is just just recent. Have a listen to see what you think of this. He is. I think he's. He might even be one one of the sons of of a leader. You know, there's one son who's become a Christian of some uh, high-ranking Palestinian. And though the the so-called uh, fighters, they don't live there. They live everywhere else, like Qatar, and they're having the, doing the having the the wealthy life with probably the money that Israel's given them as charity, and the United States as well as aid what they do they don't live there they've got kids women and children fighting the battles for them that's what they're all drugged up so here he is let's see what he says leaderships of the palestinian
6: people my people by the way and i have the authority to say this if they disown me if they label me as a traitor they can say whatever they want to say i sacrificed a lot for the sake of Palestine, of Islam, even of Hamas. I spent 27 months in Israeli prisons. I grew up witnessing the first Palestinian Intifada, and I had no idea what was going on. As a child, I was fed with hatred that Israel was our enemy, and Israel was the source of our suffering. While the Palestinian leaderships, from Yasser Arafat to Mahmoud Abbas to Abu Jihad, all of them were sitting in Tunisia, spending billions of dollars. In the meantime, they were sending children to die, throwing stones, facing Israeli soldiers. I was one of them. They used us. They sent us to the slaughterhouse. They wanted us to die. The shepherd thought, how many sheep I'm going to sacrifice today to get the attention of the world so maybe we get some more funds. So they decided to slaughter a hundred sheep, two hundred sheep. Then Hamas came later on, twenty years later. And they did the same thing, using children and women as a human shield in Gaza Strip. Then we have now a new mask for the shepherd and written on it, BDS, to manipulate the international community, create, create chaos. They are very good at doing that. Whether you call it intifada, you create chaos. In a state of chaos, you distract everybody, and the thief knows how to find a way. Same thing now, on a global scale. They are manipulating the friends of Israel, the only democracy in the Middle East, the only true democracy. While the shepherd, by the way, is not legitimate anyway. You know, somebody there sit here in this house of shame, I agree with you. Uh, Mr. Daniel, I agree. They don't represent the Palestinian people anyway. Who are you representing? The Palestinians in the West Bank or the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip? You are representing greed. Wearing the mask with what's so-called Palestinian cause. You're a liar. You are a Lucifer and at some point you will be unmasked. If they were sincere and truthful in their approach towards peace, they would go and educate the Palestinian people, first of all, of the actual history, not their history. To compare Israel to apartheid of the uh, South uh, Africa, this is no comparison. The state of Israel, I know terrorists when I spent time in prison who had blood on their hands of Jewish people and they had the right to go to schools and study and achieve higher degrees from Israeli schools. In Jerusalem, the Israeli government gives the Muslims the right to worship on Temple Mount, and in the meantime, does not give the right to the Jewish people to practice their religious freedom on Temple Mount. Me uh, saying it uh, uh, somewhere else. The sheep thinks that the shepherd. Their best friend. The shepherd provides water, food, and creates the illusion for the sheep that it's protector. Sometimes wearing a mask, a political mask, in the West Bank or Tunisia or other locations sometimes wearing an an ideological and religious mask in Gaza, or maybe other capitals of the Arab world. They have their own way to deceive the sheep and make the sheep dependent on them. But unfortunately, by the time the sheep realize that the shepherd was not their best friend or the protector of their interests, they're already in the slaughterhouse.
1: This is the reality of what's happening in the Middle East. There you are. You heard it from a Palestinian himself. 27 months in an Israeli prison. He said people with blood on their hands, didn't they? They're now the, the, they're allowed to go to Jewish schools and uh, universities and further their, themselves, further their education, and they're people that have slaughtered the Jews. The Jews uh, allow them to come into their country, into Israel, and work and educate themselves, get top medical treatment, and then they repay them by killing Israelis October the 7th. It didn't, it doesn't, it didn't just happen then. Okay, there was about, I don't know, three or four, maybe 5,000 rockets were fired over a few days from the, uh, from the big you know, attack they did and the massacre. 1,500 Islamic Jihadi fighters, many of them Hamas, many of them others as well. It's coming out now. But they fire rockets into southern uh, Israel on a daily basis. That's what they have to live under. Every single home has a safe room. It's like a like a bomb shelter where where they can go. And some of them are old and they aren't as good as the newer ones and so uh, they can end up smoking them out. And they try and they try to smoke, smoke the Israelis out. These are just mums and dads, boys and girls, babies, women and children, innocent people that don't deserve this. No one deserves to be attacked like that. And, but the, the Western media are quiet about that. They've just gone very, very quiet. And all we're getting, all we're hearing... Is the destruction is is absolute? A lot of it is total propaganda coming out, and imagery is total propaganda coming out of Palestine. There's no proper journalism in in that uh, in those cities, none. And they're very very clever at deceiving us, deceiving the media. The, The journalists wouldn't get in there. They they would be they'd be lucky to be stay alive. If they reported the truth, they'd be probably kept as hostages. It's just too dangerous. So what you're getting is you're getting reports from terrorists themselves are sending the reports to the world media, and we're expected to believe that. And so, you know, if you're believing the reports of terrorists over one of the... the only democracy, really, in the the Middle East, Israel, with a very robust um, fourth estate news media, very robust, if you're believing that over Israel... There's something wrong with you, you could get a grip it's just it's just nuts, and it's because of this hatred towards the Jewish people that's what it is folks it's exactly what it is all right, so just have a look at some headlines now from the Jerusalem Post uh, Israel at war Hamas fires a massive barrage and uh and that says there was I think this one here says listen, your son killed ten Jews. Hamas terrorist tells Gazan parents. Good grief. Israeli FM. I'm not sure what an FM is. Foreign Minister, I would think. Yes. Meeting with the United Nations head, cancelled after defending Hamas massacre. Freed Israeli hostage. She says, they beat me with a wooden pole. I'm looking at a photograph here at Jerusalem Post where you can see that they've just dragged the bodies out and there's just blood strewn, just smeared, over about four, at the width of it, you know, probably... 700 millimetres wide, just this big long stream, it looks like it's about 5 metres long of blood, where they just dragged somebody. Some of the hostages they took were wounded. Five Israelis wounded in a massive Hamas rocket barrage on Tel Aviv, just recent. Netanyahu, uh, he says this to the IDF, the Israeli Defence Force soldiers, we have one goal, to destroy Hamas. And I think he's just, uh, you know, his goal really is, what he should be doing, is he should be completely taking over all of, the the um all of Gaza Strip, take it over. And the the people need to be, uh, deported, back to an Arab country. They need to go. The problem is the other countries, the ones that they actually come from, most of them are Egyptian. They're not Palestinians. There's no such thing. It was invented by Yasser Arafat. Palestine was a name invented by the Romans to rid the world of because it's demonic to try and rid the world of any um, history of Israel that's why they did that Israel at war they're still burying the dead when they've finished burying their dead, 1,400 of them, takes a while to do all that got to find them identify them that's the hardest part they're so badly maimed and mould some burnt to a cinder in cars. I saw one photograph looked like two people. They just looked like they were just charred, screaming. You could see that the the last moments were just scream, screaming, just their mouths open, just being cooked, just a charred remains inside the car, and they say that they gave the fighters drugs as well, but I think they would do it without drugs because their hatred. the Jewish people is so so strong no this is what Grant Edwards says no aid goes in no water no power nothing until all of those hostages 225 of them 222 I think it is now the latest count until they're all released I think they've released four um, with dual citizenship American Jews they've released them nothing don't give them anything and if they don't then the ground forces need to go in. What would King David do? He would—he'd be, been in by now. And then the lies that they're carpet bombing—we're getting people. It's even coming out of TNT Radio. They've got a big mixture. They've got 45 announcers, and they're all very different. And you know that it's—it is a—it is a very good radio station because it allows all of them to have their freedom of speech. They can't stop Patrick henison and nor don't want to. But I don't have to agree with them, and I'll call them out but I wouldn't sack him I'm just looking at a lovely rabbit walking across the lawn out there yes and you know, I had one for dinner last night I shot him about four days ago I had him marinating in all a bit of lovely Worcester sauce what else did I put in there a bit of olive oil you just marinated in a in a, in a, you know one of those um, zip, zip tie bags whatever they call it those zip up bags zip locks and had him in the fridge there for just oh lovely and then last night I put him in one of those like camp oven type things with a lid on it. My son's got one and I borrowed it. And then I put it in the, um, in the oven. I think I cooked him just slowly for about an oh, hour and a half. He was delicious. I just ate every. I just ate just whole rabbit. <laughs> he was a little one. But man, he was tasty. Tastes like chicken. Just lovely. Those young ones, really nice. Must be getting some good food. I wouldn't shoot one up the back there because I've, I've, I'm a bit suspicious of Doc. They're looking after kiwis in there, and what worries me, the other day, I saw a possum wandering around in the daylight. Now they don't do that unless there's something wrong with them. He was up near the boundary of the of the bush, where I think Doc might be putting ten eighty in there, and so that would worry me. I wouldn't want. To, I check. I check the liver thoroughly. Um, yeah, I check all the organs. I'm actually going to make a rabbit pate out of the liver which I've got and I think I've got some kidneys there as well they're tiny wee things I was just, I'll let you know how what they taste like anyway so there we are that's a little side track there with that rabbit and um, I can't just run off and shoot him now the other day when I shot the rabbit um, boom got him and I went out and had one shot and uh, so I got him from quite a long way away I've got one uh, shotgun with a quite a nice tight choke on it for the long shot so I grabbed that one took that out of the safe and boom got him but as I walked out to get him Uh, another one ran up and I could have got him as well so I should have had two or three at least two shots in there next time I'll do that instead of just the one anyway so I had him I could have had two and they're just delicious and it's something something wonderful about about um, you know shooting hunting and shooting your own game and then preparing it and you do the whole thing right through and then you eat it you get to eat it. it tastes better I think when you've when you've killed it yourself and that's, that's where food comes from, and that's why it's important to teach your children where your food comes from, that it doesn't just come from the supermarket, that, that, that an animal has to die for you to eat the best food available on the earth. The carnivore diet, full of protein, chock a, po- chock a block, and I think red meat is, is obviously better than rabbit, but it's nice to have a rabbit for a bit of a change. I've been having quite a bit of... Um, Sort of, uh, it's a bit rammy because I let them. I let I left the the nuts on, and when we we did we did about five of them, my son and I. He's a pretty good shot, so he shot them with the twenty two, and um, but they were a bit you know, sort of that rammy sort of a smell. So you know, normally you'd feed the. I mean, I've been eating it, but I've sort of not that good. But I've got I've got one. I've got two nice little rams which I'll have after Christmas. We'll dispatch those because it would it would be nice to have some some lamb some sheep meat for a change instead of. Thief all the time, you know. That's what I reckon, anyway. Okay, what are we up to now? Gosh, the time is is cracking on six twenty thirty, and I had so much to talk about, but I I don't know. I just we just have a nice relaxing morning, shall we, this morning? So we're over at um, Israel National Radio, aren't we? Yes. Now there's um, the Foreign Minister. That's the one there. His name is Eli Cohen. He's the Israeli uh, representative for the State of Israel. He's at the United um, the United security Council United Nations and that was this one's came out eleven minutes ago i'm going to try and play it and see if you can hear it. I hope you can. I hope it's not sort of some AI thing talking, but let's hear it from him. let's see if it'll play It's not very long. she's so spinning taking a bit of a while. I'm sure it'll come through f m. Cohen to U.N. Oh, no
7: Jen, what world do you live
1: in? no. Okay, so I wish they wouldn't do that. Um, Israeli Foreign Minister Eli Cohen uh, represented the State of Israel at the United Nations Security Council meeting today, Tuesday. That's just overnight for us here in New Zealand on the war between Israel and the Hamas terrorist organisation. It's actually not. It's actually against Muslim terrorists. But they're diplomatic, these people. They're very diplomatic. The same meeting at which the UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres claimed that Hamas's massacre... Of over 1,400 Israelis, quote, did not happen in a vacuum, end quote. In response to Guterres' remarks, Cohen said, What world do you live in? Certainly not our world. Cohen also announced that he will boycott Guterres and will refuse to meet with him following his victim-blaming of Israel for Hamas' massacre after October the 7th. There is no room for a balanced approach. A must must be raised before the world, and so he's given it. This is the full speech there. So if you go to News dot com, you can read that for yourself when you get to work. How about that? Uh, so more live updates. Rocket fire coming in from the enemy, which is the Islamic terrorists, and all the Arab world are cheering quietly. Cheering, Israeli. Israel has entered its third third week of war which has been uh, dubbed the swords of iron and uh, so since october the 7th the idf has been striking terror targets not carpet bombing but terror targets in the gaza strip as gaza, gaza terror organisations continue to fire rockets into israel and that's what people that's not being reported is it during the second week of the war hezbollah and other groups in lebanon upped their attacks as well targeting towns and military installments in northern Israel so they've got two fronts now at least with rockets and anti-tank munitions the Israeli Defence Forces have responded as needed 2 weeks uh, also saw several high profile diplomatic solidarity visits including ones from President Joe Biden and the UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak on Tuesday at 7.37pm and I'll just tell you how long ago that was That was an hour ago. Uh, A terrorist squad was eliminated while attempting to infiltrate into Israel by sea through the Zimkin Beach area. Residents in nearby communities have been instructed to lock their doors as security forces search for potential additional infiltrators. They're attacking Israel at the same time. Uh, Just a few hours before that, there was a red alert siren. The red alert sirens were activated in the Gaza periphery. Just moments before that, the red alert siren activated in Kibbutz Holdit in the south. Three homes were damaged by a rocket in Al-Fay Manashe. The red alert sirens were activated in many communities in southern and central Israel in a large rocket barrage from Gaza. Among the communities where sirens were activated are Lod in the center of Elkana and Samaria. Siren sounds at Nal Hoz. Reports say that an anti-tank missile was fired near uh, Shutula in northern Israel. No injuries were reported. And it goes on and on. Separately, French President Emmanuel Macron met with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Macron underlined France's commitment to Israel. Good on you. And emphasized that terror presence uh, presents an existential threat not only to Israel but to the world at large. And he knows that firsthand doesn't he? He certainly does. All right, so that's that one. What else have we got here? We're on Israel National News, and I'm looking at the latest. Terror Squad Eliminated, we got that. Uh, Jews in in Kiev, Unite in Prayer for Israel. Good on them. Journalist Confronts Al Jazeera, You Shouldn't Be Here. Let's have a look at that. A journalist, Haim Tegar, confronted the camera crew of the Qatari media network Al Jazeera at the Jaffa Promenade, where they came to film an article for the channel. Uh, He turned to the camera crew and questioned, Why are you still broadcasting here? Why are you still here? You should not be here. Al Jazeera should not be here. Al Jazeera, which portrays us as murderers and Hamas as the righteous ones, should not be here. Hamas are the heroes, Hamas asking, you know, that's what he's saying. What's the problem? What's difficult? You're a journalist. You can't remember simple questions. He turned to one of the channel's reporters, who was present, and told him, Condemn what Hamas did, and I will walk away. That is my request from you, from your channel. Say that this act is a criminal murder, that there's, these are war crimes, and I will leave. Finally, he called out to the reporter, Sir, we will pass here again and again and if we find that you are broadcasting from here um, until you give us answers on at least uh, the stand in front of the camera and say that you are appalled by the criminal acts of Hamas terrorist organization which murders women and children and we continue that will haunt you he says. Recently an attempt was made to block Al Jazeera broadcasters in Israel due to concerns that the channel was revealing the location of soldiers as well as Statements by the channel that it is not prepared to condemn the crimes committed by Hamas during the Shimchat Torah massacre. Communications Minister Shlomo Kari he insisted on this but in the end an agreement was drawn up according to which if the Minister of Defence is convinced that the broadcasts of foreign channel broadcasting in Israel actually harm the security of the state the Minister of Communications may with the consent of the Minister of Defence and with the approval of the Committee of Ministers order the cessation of broadcasting, the closure of the channel's offices, confiscation of broadcasting devices and the removal of websites provided uh, it is hosted on Israeli servers. All of this, as mentioned, is subject to the fact that the order will be considered within three days for confirmation, cancellation or the allocation of time for its applicability, by the district president or by his deputy. That's what he said. What's this here? What have
2: we got here?
1: Okay, this is what we were reading at the beginning
2: and he's telling them to move on. Al Jazeera so
1: he's, there's, so he's telling them to get the heck out of here and stop reporting. Uh, because you're not telling the truth. You're, not, uh, you're telling lies. You're anti-Semitic. You're telling lies about Israel. And that's Al Jazeera. So there we are. That's the, he's a journalist, this guy. Not happy. Israeli journalist. Told Al Jazeera to get lost. Now we're back to uh, Jerusalem. The Jerusalem Post and uh, other stories here I'll just do a quick refresh now what time is it over there again? I think it's about 8.30 8.30 at night quarter to 9 at the moment and uh, so nothing new there Hamas terrorists we did what we were told whoever brings a hostage gets $10,000 we heard about that yesterday so these um, savages that came in to attack innocent women and children instead of attacking you know soldiers having a proper battle men against men they attacked innocent women and children killed unarmed people and they were told that if they could bring back a hostage they get 100 they get $10,000 and a free apartment that's what they were told oh dear it's uh and you know and our western world i just cannot believe that we are siding with terrorists but we are yeah so there it is there it is OK, I'm going to move across now to uh, Radio New Zealand and just see if there's anything there that I've missed. Oh, did we talk about the black power uh, and the gangs the, um, uh, in Apotiki? And there's a new, um, I'll tell you about it, there's a new, um, what do you call it, so sort of a, a law they've passed uh, to try and help police combat the gangs. But not everybody's happy about it, including Rawiti. I think his name is Rangwiti, anyway, the Maori Party leader or co-leader. And I agree with him on this, actually. So uh, let's have a look at that story. This is a story for Radio New Zealand, and it's um, Felix Walton. He's the writer here. Bay of Plenty uh, MPs are split over special powers granted to police to crack down on gangs. Police say recent shootings throughout Apoteki are related to rising tensions between the Black Power Gang and the mongrel mob. On Sunday, a woman was shot in her car and hospitalised. It was another in the series of shootings in the town that police believed are gang-related. A Portuguese social worker, T. Ōwhai Gemel told the Morning Report that she was hurt. Now, it's a funny language, but she wasn't hurt, but she was upset or annoyed. Uh, disappointed is probably a better word, but she says, she says she was hurt that such violent acts were occurring, uh, occurring in her community. She said it's sad that the situation has gotten to this point I find it really quite unacceptable and sad that somebody has been hurt She said I wish our whanau which is the Maori word for family I'll interpret it for you could put together or could pull together and sort out some sort of um, some of the behaviour that's been happening Uh, It's been going on for generation after generation according to her Gemmel said that she'd seen more cops on the beat as they tried to prevent further violence between the gangs. She said, obviously, that their presence, she said, I think that it's a, a reassurance to the community. It's obviously that their presence is a rea- reassurance to the community. Recently elected East Coast uh, MP, her name is Dana Kirkpatrick, she said police response in Apodiki was encouraging. Apotiki is such a wonderful town with so many fabulous things going for it and it's such a shame that it ends up in the national media for reasons that are not so salubrious. She said, I'm really pleased that police are using everything in their power to deal with this. Police had been granted additional search powers through the Criminal Activity Intervention Legislation Act, we'll call it CAL. The temporary uh, warrant enabled police to freely search vehicles and properties Owned by suspected gang members, in a statement, police said that they were already using those powers. Over a long we- over the long weekend, staff executed nine Kale warrants, two ad- uh, at two addresses, and seven vehicles. Uh, East Bay Plenty, uh, I think it's Eastern Bay of Plenty. Commander, yes, Inspector Nikki Cooney. Uh, Nikki, I think it's a, a woman or it might be a bloke. I don't know. Hard to tell these days. They had a mayor in Rotorua called Steve for Stephanie. Uh, police will continue to be out in the community ready to respond to any unlawful behaviour by gangs and anyone who is who believes that they are above the law. Kirkpatrick said the extra powers helped police and the, uh, to, uh, to do their jobs more effectively. I think that the powers through the cow is something that is required so that police can deal with these issues quickly, she said. If this is a power police feel is useful to them, then it's good, and we need to give police the tools they need. But Maori Party leader, Rawiri Waititi, he's worried that police have been given too much power, and I agree with him. He says that you've got to be careful that there is not an overreach. We voted against this because we thought that we would it would disproportionately be targeted, we would be, and I, I don't know if I agree with that, because if, you, if Maori are committing all the crime, then you're going to be as targeted, aren't you? Because you're committing all the crime. But he says, I think it's an overreach because they don't need the legislation to do the job that they do. I agree with that. We've got the Crimes Act, we've got plenty of rules, we don't need new ones, and these laws will be used against ordinary New Zealanders so that they can just ride roughshod over the Bill of Rights. Let's just say you've written something on your Facebook post And they make they you know and you've got a group on there called you know New Zealanders patriotic New Zealanders or something like that, and they they can trump up charges, and they say that these people are suspected of um, uh, you know it's a gang, suspected they could be terrorists. So police will be able to use those laws to unlawfully search you, even though they've got no evidence, no reason to but they're allowed to use those rules, and they will be used against ordinary New Zealanders in the future. That's why we've got far too many new bills coming in. We've got enough laws. We don't need any more. We just need the police and the judges to do their jobs, for the police to just get in there and stop the crime. And I don't think it's, like I said earlier in the program, at around about ten past five, I don't think we should take away people's, uh, if they want to wear a patch, let them wear a patch. Why would you stop that? You start banning things like that, that's, that's a downward track. People should be allowed to wear Nazi insignia on their arm or whatever they want, do whatever they like. Why? Because I want to know who these people are among us. I want to know who's a gang member and who's not, who's a neo-Nazi and who's not. I want to know who they are. Anyway, so that's White titty. And uh, police say that they arrested two people and seized $27,000 in cash over the long way which, which they keep and then that goes into a fund and then it get, ends up being given back to them for drug rehabilitation <laughs> it's like money laundering <laughs> it's 12 minutes to 7 and you're listening to Grant Edwards here on the Liberty NZ Breakfast now a man who was, had a terrible accident uh, his name is Trevor Moore and he's walking to Wellington. Now, I'll tell you a little bit about what happened to him. He, just six months ago, he nearly died during an accident when he was cutting the branch of a tree. And this he lives in Danny Virk, and uh, so what he's going to do is going to walk 200 kilometres to Wellington, from Danny Virk to, to Wellington. So he suffered this accident. He was rushed by a helicopter to Wellington Hospital a trip that saved his life. And uh, so th- he's made a remarkable recovery and he wants to pay them back. You've got no idea how much it costs to run one of those things per hour. He's 62-year-old more. He can't remember the day before the accident and he can't remember the day of the accident. He said his skull was split, exposing his brain. He said it was even leaking brain fluid uh, coming out of his nose and out of his head. He said, "I broke every body in my face and both eye sockets." He said, "That's why I have trouble with my eyes." He's he's been told his um, that he headed to a remote part of the Tararua district, out the back of Paiatua, to help a mate. He, now the mate is an arborist, and I was on the traffic lollipop sign. He said I was bored, so I picked up a chainsaw. So he told me this is what this is what he did because he can't remember any of it. Uh, the f- he first cu- the first cut went wrong. A very large macrocarpa limb, which are tricky at the best of times, because I've done I've felt a lot of trees. Probably felt oh, probably more, hundreds of trees, all sorts of trees, totara, um, lots of pine, heaps of pine, uh, and some macrocarpa, and they're tricky little mongrels. Those ones are even the totra you got to watch out for. Anyway, it, it kicked back on him, and I, I don't know whether he's had lots of experience or not. But uh, you've got to know what you're doing. Got to watch a lot of YouTube videos before you go cutting trees down. <laughs> he said, "If I if I had my helmet on, I would have died." Really? Oh, if, sorry. If he hadn't had it on, so he had his helmet on. So that sort of partially saved him. He was rushed to Wellington Hospital in the Grassroots Trust rescue helicopter. Paramedics aboard the chopper, based at uh, Palmerston North Hospital, realised that his injuries from the log were so severe that he needed to go to the capital. And so instead of taking him back to Palmerston North, which had just been a few minutes, they probably took him like an extra 10 or 15 minutes to the capital because they had the facilities. And we know that Palmerston North Hospital is actually in dire straits at the moment. It's just like Mogadishu uh, trying to get served there, you know, trying to get some help. Uh, He said he has no memory of the day. He said, I was in a coma for a week. Well, I'll tell you what, my sister in the car accident that she was involved in with my brother, they were hit by a drunk driver and she was in a coma for three and a half months before she came out of it. And I think it took her months before she could even say one word. Her first word she said was blue. <laughs> she said, "Ah, oh, blue. <laughs> my mother said, which nighty do you want, the pink one or the blue one? And she sort of mouthed the word blue. And it was, we were all so excited. And we were, us kids, my little sister and I, were, we were living at, my brother and sister both in Rotorua Hospital, and we were living at, um, at my auntie's, just not, not far from Levin, on their farm. And I remember being picked up from the Ohio School. That's where we went to school. And they said, oh, wonderful wonderful news. Valerie's said her first words today. And we were so excited about it. So anyway, so he's in a coma for a week. He said, I don't remember a couple of days. So that was nearly, nearly two weeks with no memory. That's what he's saying. And there's a photograph of him there. He looked really in a bad way, 62-year-old Trevor Moore. And uh, so he woke up, and he remembers this, waking up in Wellington Hospital in the intensive care unit And then they moved into an acquired brain surgery unit. And during his stay, for about a month, he basically learned to walk again, uh, at first making gradual steps. And then from time to time, I came out of coma, and it was three weeks until I was confident on my feet. As he recovered, he thought that he, he wanted to say thanks, so he decided to do a walk just over six months on from the accident. He gradually built up his mileage on the road around his property, and has become a recognisable figure in his high-visibility suit, sort of like those high-vis jackets they, they give you. Trev's walk for recovery is called. He's got branded gear, and he's got a dog called Blaze at his side. Moore and Blaze, um, a 15-month-old English Springer Spaniel, lovely dogs, they'll start fundraising. They'll do that on the 2nd of December, and they aim to finish on the 8th or 9th of December, walking forty kilometers or maybe possibly even 50 kilometers a day and they will um, split with the with time being pounding the... what are they going to do blaze on oh a blaze poor old blaze he will um, he will split with time being pounding the uh, the tarmac and follow alongside in the support vehicle he said I'm starting with from my house on the north side of Dannyverk and it's going to be all the way to Wellington ICU roughly 250 kilometers I'm doing it to raise awareness and funds for the Grassroots Trust rescue helicopter. They were That was the helicopter that came and rescued me and saved my life and flew me back to Wellington ICU. He said, I'll be walking to raise funds for them and to say thank you to the team in Wellington for saving my life. And there's a photograph of him there, lovely dog, and he's standing there, he looks well recovered. And so that's Trevor Moore. Radio New Zealand, they joined Moore on a brisk walk around the country roads near his home. And watching him power along, it's hard to believe how badly he was injured just months ago. And so that is a fabulous story. So he wants to raise $15,000 because he said that the cost of keeping that chopper in the air for an hour is $9,000. And he said so $15,000 was the amount to, spe- to spend because that's how long it took to get him to hospital. Um, I think by the time they left and uh, you know gave him first aid... Got him back on board the chopper and then headed to Wellington Hospital. So he's had some sponsorship help from Brant for his branded clothes and his energy food. And but he's on the lookout for a self-contained camper van and he wants to use that for the trip to Wellington. He said I'm really, really grateful for all the support the people on the street have given me and the people on Facebook have given me. He said it's amazing. It uh, let me know that I'm not walk doing this walk on my own. Moore has also, uh, he's also due to attend the Helicopters Trust upcoming open day and to speak at a fundraising dinner. He hopes that we'll get uh, more similar opportunities to share his story. So he's using Facebook. It's called Trev's Walk for Recovery. Look that up. Trev's with an apostrophe S. Trev's Walk for Recovery to update people on his progress. And Shani Ware, she's the Rescue Helicopter Trust fundraising uh, marketing manager. She said we cannot thank Trevor Moore enough for his efforts in supporting the Grassroots Trust helicopter with his Walk of Recovery fundraiser. She said his generosity towards this vital service is incredible and we are truly grateful to have someone like him in our community helping to continue to save more lives. What a nice story. He's a lucky man. 250 kilometres. Now, um, the largest terrorist incident in New Zealand where apparently um, 51 people died. That's, uh, they've just started doing an inquest on that. senior detective um, who helped lead the initial uh, police response to the 2019 Christchurch mosque shootings has des- uh, described to the court the magnitude of the investigation. So what's this? It's a six-week-long inquest into the Christchurch terror attack where 51 worshippers at El Noor and Linwood Islamic Centre were murdered Uh, That began on Tuesday, yesterday. In her opening address, Deputy Chief Coroner Bridget Windley acknowledged and welcomed all those into the courtroom uh, as they watched from afar. She paid her respects to family and friends who lost loved ones and commented to them on their positive engagement and patience with the inquiry and how long it's taken. In the afternoon, an hour-long audiovisual, that's with a timeline, providing an overview of the day of the attack, was played to the court um, it was a high-level overview she said of the events of the day with both audio and visual content according to Coroner Windley okay and so that's happening right now not sure how long that's going to go on for uh, another story here in Rotorua the Ombudsman calls for Rotorua Council to be more open to the public Chief Ombudsman is deeply concerned about Rotorua Lakes Council's commitment to transparency after investigating closed-door workshops. The council had a history of opposition to openness that appeared to continue, according to Chief Ombudsman Peter Bogier. He quoted a former mayor saying, absolutely no way in response to suggesting the public be allowed to attend council sessions. Bogier is now calling for all councils to open workshops by default. The Ombudsman's office made a year-long investigation into concerns that councils were undermining local democracy by using workshops to discuss issues and make decisions behind closed doors. He looked at eight councils, including Rotorua. In the Rotorua findings released on Tuesday, yesterday, with comments dated June 2023, Bossier rejected the idea of the public being excluded because they did not want to appear naïve during the discussions, quote-unquote naïve. Perceptions expressed by council staff and members of the public during the investigation left Bogier deeply concerned about the council's commitment to conducting its business with openness and transparency. In his opinion, it was unreasonable for Rotorua council to close the doors on their forums by default, and this allowed negative perceptions of openness and transparency to develop among staff and the public. Bogier recommended the council close doors forums to the public on case by case not just by default if the public was excluded the meeting topic and reason for closing it should be published overall he found no evidence uh, in this uh, decisions were made in the workshops but found that some councils what was that he found no evidence decisions were made in workshops are oh, okay but found that some councils practices went against openness principles Bougier also provided some positive feedback. He said it is evident that the council has good practices around revisiting and considering for release material held in public, excluded parts of meetings, and live streaming and publishing records of meetings. I think every meeting should be live streamed so we can see what these halfwits are doing. Uh, And, you know, we have it in in, um, Parliament. It should be every council. We should be able to see what's going. It should be completely open because I think that's where the globalists are getting, and a lot of the stuff that they're doing are through the councils. And we know that uh, the, every single council in New Zealand has signed up to the smart city idea. Now, um, he said that current council has moved to greater openness. I'm just looking at a photograph here of the former mayor. whose name is Steve Chadwick. She's the one that says no way. She's a short-headed gray, short-haired grey woman. Her name is Steve and it's short for Steve, Stephanie so Bozier, he said that current council had moved to greater openness by advertising forum dates but said that these meetings were still held out of the view of the public he said I'm not convinced by arguments that forums should be closed in order to elect members that so that they can feel uh, more free to ask naive questions <laughs> that's what it's about they just don't want to look like idiots because they've employed a lot of stupid people and councils haven't they just because they're lefties and that Steve lady what was her name again I'll just go back to that uh, Steve somebody uh, Steve Chadwick and she's um, she's a leftist she's a Labour Party she um, yeah, her name was Stephanie they call her Steve uh, New Zealand politician she served um, uh, as the Mayor of Rotorua from 2013 to 22 so she just got out of the job and she's the one that wanted everything quiet and, you know, no transparency. She previously held positions of Minister of Conservation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And Women's Affairs, which is a nonsense, nonsense portfolio, just a waste of our money. Why would you have, why do you need a Women's Affairs? You don't have a Man's Affairs, do we? It's just, it's a nonsense. So it's just, this is how they waste our money by having these stupid things. And she was also Associate Health in the Fifth Labour Government, the, uh, so she's a leftist. You can just imagine what it would be like. I, I don't even know if I could have a conversation with someone like that. I know, I know you should, really. Um, we'll have a look at news. It's running a bit late, uh, but I've got some news here for you. We'll go to news, and then we'll be right back in, uh, in just a moment. Here's TNT Radio News. Now,
4: TNT Radio
1: News. For TNT
4: Radio News, this is James O'Neill. One of the two elderly hostages who was captured by Hamas is spoken out after being released by the group in Gaza. Speaking to the press for the first time, Yokeved Livshitz, the 85-year-old Israeli hostage, said through a translator that they gave them food and medicine and treated them well, but described her torment inflicted by Hamas. They blew up the fence. Dozens, dozens stormed our houses, beat the people, and kidnapped people like me. There's no difference between young or old, men or women. It was very, very painful. Both husbands of the two Israeli women are still being held captive by Hamas, but Hamas leader claims they're not hostages, and that attacks by Israel has killed 22 of those hostages.
3: There are. A huge
5: um, huge um, network of tunnels underneath.
3: It looks like a spider web.
4: Overnight, the Israelis ramped up their airstrikes on the Gaza Strip, hitting more than 400 targets of Hamas and Islamic Jihad. Palestinians claim those bombings killed another 700 people. There's now more than 5,000 civilians killed in the war as Hamas keeps firing rockets back. Against the backdrop of job cuts in the steel industry driven by emissions reduction efforts, Labour leader Sir Kier Starmer has vowed to champion the UK steel sector. As part of his larger mission to deliver clean power by 2023, Sir Kier unveiled the Green Prosperity Plan, a decade-long investment initiative aimed at fostering clean steel production. He underscored Labour's commitment to standing by steelmakers, promising support instead of abandonment. His visit to Tata's Port Talbot plant in South Wales emphasized this commitment, where he assured steel workers that labor would safeguard their future. The government had recently announced a substantial investment of up to 500 million pounds in Port Talbot, geared toward producing greener steel. However, this transition could potentially lead to the loss of approximately 3,000 jobs. Greg Coggins has worked there for 14 years.
6: Without the steelworks being desperate, there is no portal, but it's, it's, this this town, this area, South Wales, relies on this place. There's so many jobs. There's so many jobs.
4: An Alaskan Airlines pilot has been charged with reckless endangerment and attempted murder, accused of trying to shut the engines off on a flight from Washington State to San Francisco Sunday when Joseph Emerson was off duty but sitting in the cockpit on the flight. Instagram's parent company Meta has apologized for an apparent bug that inserted the term Palestinian terrorists into the bios of some pro-Palestine users. The bug was noticed earlier this week by a TikTok user who posted a video explaining that Instagram had falsely auto-translated his friend's bio, which featured the word Palestinian written in English, the Palestinian flag emoji, and the word Alhamdulillah. Praise be to God, written in Arabic. As praise be to God, Palestinian terrorists are fighting for their freedom.
0: This is a TNT Radio Encore. If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at TNTradio.live. I'm not saying women, like there aren't smart women that don't contribute. We totally do. But like smarter than men, really? And I was thinking about the smartest women I know. All of the smartest women I know submit to the authority of a guy. They all obey either their husband or really smart boss. And then they become really smart because they're like listening to the guy.
1: There you go, smart words there, from a very wise woman, and her name is Pearl. You can catch her on YouTube, and I think she's on Instagram. She's on all of them, Pearl. Very very clever, very controversial. All hated by many women, loved by the blokes, because she speaks the truth. Let's have a look at the short forecast for New Zealand. I think it's the latest. Uh, yeah. Oh, is it? Now, look, there could be a new one that might have just come through. I'll just have a quick a refresh for you. First of all, we'll look at the highs. I don't think it has, I think I think it's the same. Yes, no, it's the same one that came out about 5 o'clock. So anyway, but the temperatures have changed. Napier is the highest at the moment. These are the extremes, 17.2. O'Marima, now a little bit different, 3.4 degrees of temperature. Uh, Castle Point, 50 kilometres per hour. It's got a bit windier. And now it's quite wet in Taramanui. Three millimetres of rain in Taramanui. I take out a few syllables here because it just seems such a... Why should I bother? It's just uh, so hard to say. I can't be bothered. Uh, They can't pronounce our words properly anyway, so why should I bother? Uh, Stewart Island, 11 degrees, Invercargill 6, Dunedin 13, um... Queenstown 7 degrees, France-Joseph's on 9 degrees this morning, Timaru's on 8, Chatham's, it's quite warm out there, with 13 degrees, Christchurch is on 10, Blenheim's on 12, along with Nelson, and Westport has 13 degrees, and also uh, Wellington and Masterton. I was talking to John Ansell last night on the phone. I said, gosh, it's a cold hole in Masterton. He said, oh, no, I didn't find that. Went to school there. And now, now, because I've said it's about, usually it's like if it's 12 degrees in Wellington, it'll be like 6 degrees in Masterton, and he didn't believe me. But that's what I've found, haven't I? We? As I've been looking at the temperatures, Masterton's always cold. But here today, he's probably listening today, and now 13 degrees both in Wellington and Masterton. So, ah, oh, that blows that one out the door, doesn't it? But but, but generally speaking, Masterton is colder than Wellington or Napier. Palmerston North, 14 degrees. Napier is on 17, isn't it? Amazing, 17.2 right now. New Plymouth, 15 degrees for you. Taupo is on 13, along with Rotorua. Uh, what have we got there, Gisborne, 17 degrees Tauranga has 16 uh, Hamilton 14, Auckland is on 15 along with Whangarei and Kaitaia. Short forecast for uh, Northland, cloudy increasing, cloudy periods increasing, a few showers developing this morning. Auckland and Manoa too, including Coromandel, Mandel, the Bay of Plenty and Central High Country. A period of morning rain, followed by isolated showers and increasing fine spells. For Gisborne, Wairarapa, fine apart from scattered rain this morning. Horawanua to Wellington, also for Marlborough and Nelson, remaining showers clearing this morning and becoming fine. For Buller, Westland and Fiordland, showers becoming isolated by afternoon. However, rain returning to Fiordland and southern Westland this evening with heavy falls and possible thunderstorms. For Canterbury, Otago and Southland, mainly fine weather. However, early rain about coastal Otago and then high cloud increasing this afternoon and rain developing about the uh, Queenstown lakes and southern Southland tonight. And finally for the Chatham Islands, periods of rain developing later in the morning. Okay, I'll be back in a minute and we'll have more news for you. How about that? More news. More news from the papers. Oh, hang on. Am I going to go another hour? Mm, May as well. See how we go. It's really going on in
7: our store shampoo brands. Part 3. Last parts, we talked about how bad Aussie, Hask, Maui, Love Planet, and Beauty and OGX is for you. Let's get to what you've all been waiting for. The absolute worst shampoo on the market. Let's take a gander at this cesspit concoction of ingredients. Sodium laureth sulfate, which is too harsh and strips your hair. Similar to the next ingredient, cocamidopropyl betaine. These chemicals strip too much, which leads to hair loss. Same with sodium chloride. Diamethicone, which leads to acne. Don't even ask me why they would. Never mind. Styrene acrylates copolymer increases your risk to breast cancer. DMDM hydantoin has several hair loss lawsuits. Methylisothiazolinone, a presumed neurotoxin. Titanium dioxide is linked to alopecia, a disease where the immune system attacks hair follicles, causing severe hair loss. Yellow 5 causes hyperactivity, gastrointestinal issues, and may be linked to cancer. Red 33, whose side effects are, and I quote, moderate cancer. These ingredients are brought to you by Dove Shampoo. All of these harsh chemicals, but they are still allowed on the shelves and making a billion dollars a year in sales even after the lawsuits. Dove owned by Unilever, who's owned by BlackRock and Vanguard. The system is against us, and they own the system. Here's their partner in crime, Tresemme. Do these ingredients look familiar to you? Oh, that's why. Are you sick and tired of.
1: Yeah. What? He didn't finish. Twelve minutes past seven. Liberty NZ Z with Grant Edwards. You might do another hour. Should we do that? Yeah, go on then. I've got a bit of comedy this morning coming up. I've also got. Uh, what's his name now? Where's he gone? Dennis Hall. I had him there. Uh, Dennis is gone. Wonder what's happened. I know what's happened. It's, um, there's a problem with my program sometimes. Oh no. Where are you, Dennis? I had him there before. Let me see if I can quickly find him. Mr Hall. Uh, where would he be? Oh I guess he's up under news. Have I got him. News Dennis. No. Oh yes, here it is. Yeah. I don't know why he's under news. We'll hear from Dennis very shortly. Oh there he is, he was there all along. Muslims versus the West. Uh, that's very interesting. Dennis Hall. You can follow him on Facebook. Um Dennis Hall, I think it's just Dennis Hall, is it? He's an older guy, he's about eighty two. But he's a pretty good writer, and uh, he was a balloonist. He did the Levin Balloon Festival for many years, and he was a sculptor, one of New Zealand's best sculptors. Uh, he he did the breast of um, Robert Muldoon, Sir Robert Muldoon, in 1983, I think, just before the general election, and the it was televised. Uh, they turned, I think, it was about six hours of work that he did with meetings with Rob Muldoon down there in Wellington, and uh, they turned it into a 24-minute little um, television piece, but they didn't play it till after the election because they said that Dennis did such a good job of interview- interviewing Rob. He was so relaxed with him, and so he interviewed him while he was uh, sculpting him. Isn't that incredible? And they said that if they played it before the election, that he would, he would have won. And so the media, that's election interference, isn't it? That's what I think that is. We'll have a bit of comedy this morning, as I said. 14 minutes past seven. Let's go to Radio New Zealand and have a look at their front page. And it's still tropical cyclone Lola, Vanuatu on high alert as storm hits eastern island. Severe tropical cyclone Lola is passing over now the Pentecost island. And it is forecast to make landfall on Vanuatu's second largest island, Malalakula. It is that what Kula, it is yeah, Fiji Meteorological Service has said. I don't believe it. They say that Lola, the wind gusts are up to 320 kilometres per hour. Red costs they fear a major, major damage. But when I go to um, Windy, which is very reliable, uh, as uh, sailors we use Windy. When I go over there, I don't see anything of the sort, and I wonder what on earth is going on here. So here we are, this is real time. I'm um, just zooming in now. If there's anyone on Rumble, you'll be able to see it's where the um that's where the eye of the storm is. It's just sort of um uh east it'd be notes yes, it would be east northeast of Vanuatu. And uh it's three knots. That's not very many, is it? And if I go out a little bit further where it should be about forty and fifty knots there, so it has increased a little bit. It was forty six, so it's blowing so 50 knots you know that's that's getting up there that's about 80 miles per hour, um 80 kilometers per hour but it's not 300 so i don't know what they're talking about i look around here with my little my little mouse i'm looking at the wind and uh i can't see anything like it these patches here 35 knots 35 knots around the outside getting a bit closer to the eye it's 46 knots that's the highest Oh, forty-nine 49 there so 50 knots say round figures I'll zoom in a bit further and just see if I can find any other places 42 knots but when I go to the eye of the storm it's 2 knots a little bit further out it would be 7 knots there are 9 knots now 10 knot breeze 17 knots and then as you go out you're 23 knots getting further away from the eye 31 knots 39 knots 44 knots 47 knots and so she's up nearly 50 knots um, a fair way out, so it 's pretty windy, but it 's not the winds that they 're talking about. What are they doing? How can they tell us these are these are lies if we, windy i don't think windy 's wrong it 's very, very accurate and um so sailors use it all the time uh, but they 're telling us a different story aren 't they? I wonder why that is let's let 's have a closer look at that story. Well, they say that uh, the severe tropical cyclone right it 's called Lola and uh, it's now a Category 4. It got up to a a Category 5 yesterday, late last night, Uh, but now it's a Category 4, and uh, so it's close to the centre. They reckon it's 185 kilometres an hour of wind gusts. Well, that's just bullshit, because that just doesn't happen in a cyclone or a hurricane. There's no wind in the centre. Very little wind. The further away you get from the centre, then that's when you get the wind. Uh, They reckon it'll reach gusts of 260 kilometres, now, it dropped from a Category 5, the highest cyclone category recorded in the Pacific Islands. Bullshit. That's not true. And Ian Wishart, he uh, he um, uncovered that Niwa were hiding ancient data, data from, you know, going back to like 1850, which they kept thorough records in the trig stations all around New Zealand for the ships that were sailing up and down. They needed to know what the barometer reading was going to be and uh, so they, we did have that information and uh, they're trying to make it out because what are they doing? Well they're trying to push that narrative they're trying to push the global warming thing that um, climate change is causing all this that's what all these stories are they're just getting into your head all the time continuously trying to brainwash you that climate change is a real thing that it's really caused by us because the world government need funds and the way to do that is to tax you tax you for your cows farting and your sheep farting Soon you, you farting And that's what They probably want you Eating bugs too Because probably They've figured out That, that they reckon That you, you probably Fart more if you eat meat And so they'll have To get rid of you They want to get rid Of the cows They want to get rid of, They're going to starve us That's what they're going to do There's going to be a world There's going to be famines Jesus said There'll be wars And rumours of wars We've got that now And there'll be famines And pestilence Now there's going to be famines And that will cause pestilence Because when people Get malnourished Then you get sick And lots of people get sick just like when the flu epidemic came out in 1918 that wasn't a virus that was because people had just come out of world war 2 they were fearful they were traumatized and they were malnourished and a lot of people got sick and a lot of people were vaccinated with other vaccines you know ones like scarlet fever and all that and that that made them ill and if the people that didn't that hadn't been vaccinated they were the only ones that were at, that didn't get a sick because they hadn't been jabbed so they were fine so their, their body were, was able to cope with the stress and the mal, um, malnutrition it was able to cope with it but the people that had been jabbed their bodies were weakened and that's why they want to jab you with this covid-19 rubbish that's why they were doing it to weaken your body so that you so that you'll just so you'll just be continuously sick and the fact, the vaccine people, the people that produce them, are laughing all the way to the bank. And the, the pharmaceuticals, the doctors, everybody that's involved in this allop- allopathic nonsense, this germ theory bullshit, they are all laughing on the way to the bank. And they've convinced you after decades of telling us that there's viruses. But viruses are just covering up the fact that they're drugs that they're giving people. Their vaccines and the th- when you go and get put under can get cause a heart murmur. You know, when you are going for an operation they give you the that just gives you this stuff. That causes heart murmurs. Not all the time, but quite often it does. They get probably get the mixture wrong. People are dying from this last one. It's deadly. It's a depopulation folks. That's what it is. Bill Gates said it himself, didn't he? They want to depopulate the earth. And we've got a comedian here likes to um Talk about that. Let's hear from him right now.
4: He has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, health care, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. We could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%.
0: And then we have another crazy billionaire, Bill Gates, says there's too many of us. His thing by 2030... Is to depopulate the planet, and I, and I just wondered, like, are we part of the population that he wants to D de- <laughs> depopulate? He says there's too many of us. And this is, and, they say, and he says it, and people go, ah, it's a conspiracy theory. This is a conspiracy theory. He f- said it. You can go on YouTube. He said f- Bill, Jay, Bill Clinton. You know, Bill not I me. Mean. Bill Gates. I'm sorry, I was thinking about Epstein's island for a second. <laughs> so. You go to see on YouTube. He says one of the goals by 2030 says, is to lower the population of the planet and one of the ways to do that is using vaccines. It's like, what? People go, no. That's a conspiracy theory. So he said it. You can go see. He said, yeah, but it's a conspiracy theory to think, you know, he meant what he said. He says, what? He said it. He meant it. He's doing it. It's
1: working. <laughs> People go, uh... mm-hmm. Twenty-one past seven. Here with Grant Edwards on the Liberty NZ Breakfast. Hi, oh, thanks for joining me. Uh, yeah, that's uh, he's funny. I don't know who he is, but he's hilarious, isn't he? <laughs> he's really good. In a moment, we'll hear from Dennis Hall. He's the man I was talking about. The he's uh, a very, uh, very, very good artist. He was one of the, one of New Zealand's best artists, unsung hero. He was, and um, sort of excommunicated by the. Uh, what would you call it, the arts community because he was his work was so good and most artists' work here in New Zealand are so piss poor that they, they couldn't really have Dennis because he was just like Michelangelo. He was just like head and shoulders above them all. His mistake was he'd said, I didn't go to America or Europe. and uh, Then he would have been a wealthy man. He could have done what he loves doing. He just loves doing. He's so clever. When he was a little boy, he in the um, convent school that he raised, he used to impress the nuns, you know, like if they... If, they, if he got into bad books with them, um, he would make these little, little, um, you know, just out of plasticine or something like that for them and give them, to, you know, like it might be one of them or of something, an animal that they liked or something. He could just knock one up in, you know, minutes. Very clever, very good. Getting a likeness, that's the thing. He was able to get a likeness. He got a very good likeness of Robert Muldoon. Uh, most people struggle just to get a likeness, and they call it sort of art. <laughs> My kids can draw better than most of the... Um, artists that people are raving about today. And usually you don't make any money until you're dead anyway, in art. So, you know, I I encourage my daughter. She was she quite enjoyed art. I said, Oh forget it, you'll never make any money doing that. Just do it as a hobby, darling. Okay, now, um what was I gonna do now? To, can you remember <laughs> Well I've got Dennis Hall coming up. Uh but I'm just gonna just have another quick look at that um that jolly uh cyclone there. Um it's not it's not really what they're saying is that 50 knots is not you know that's not sort of like 90 knots or they're talking like 320 knots so let's hope it peters out and doesn't come down here maybe they're going to have some di- some directed weather warfare they've got that planning uh, in the planning I should say for New Zealand And oh, we might get another lashing who knows that'll be next week sometime I suppose Uh, But they say they weaken, don't they? They don't normally come down this low, but sometimes they do. You get the odd one that comes down. But, I mean, that's a fair hiking, 50 knots. But that's all it is, according to Windy. And that's very accurate, uh, Windy. So I'd believe Windy before I'd believe some of the stuff coming out of Radio New Zealand (laughs) and some of these meteorological services. Um, I just don't believe it. They use models as you see, models showed parts of Vanuatu would get up to 300 millimetres of rain in uh, over 24 hours from the cyclone. And uh, the waves close to the island are expected to reach up to five metres. Well, when we used to go out fishing, we used to have waves like that. Five metre swell. Uh, that's not that big. Tasman Sea, you get five metre swells like that all the time. So, I don't know. I just think... There's something dodgy going on with the news that's kind of why I wanted to do this because I didn't want people just reading this stuff, you know, just getting sucked in by it I wanted to look at it and say, you know, what's really behind that? What's the real deal? Anyway, so that's Radio New Zealand let's go to, um, I haven't looked sorry, I have, I've been a bit um, I haven't given you any information on News Hub, so Lloyd Burr, he says that Luxon attempting to control coverage of coalition talks by moving them to Auckland, oh, is he? Really? I'll oh, we'll have a quick look at that then. That's uh, Lloyd Burr. Quite like Lloyd Burr. He was on Today FM, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He's a good bloke. Uh, for oh.
5: anyone who
1: Excuse me. I tried to get rid of it and it ended up playing. So, Lloyd Burr, he said it's become clear since the general election that Luxon doesn't like to talk extensively rather, uh, about his discussions that are ongoing with the other parties. Luxon wants to. Do this uh, like a corporate business, and that's what someone said to me the other day. He has to remember, there's not a CEO of the country. Where they, you know, they're doing it for the shareholders to make money, and we don't, we don't need a CEO running our country. We need someone that's a proper prime minister, uh, someone that loves New Zealand, wants New Zealand. It's not just about growing economically; it's about doing the right thing for New Zealanders, doing what's best for the individual rights and freedoms but he doesn't believe that because he believes in the collective doing what's right for the collective but really it's for him it's it's what's doing doing what's right for the shareholders or the stakeholders and the people that he's working for are coming from outside of New Zealand he's a globalist so he's working for a foreign power we used to call that treason in the old days Luxton's views their previous coalition talks as political theater uh, when in reality the coverage actually provides good insight into what the relevant parties want New Zealand to look like. See, that's important. that We need to know exactly what's going on. I think that they should be televised. But what happens is it, m- it makes us see that they're, they're just a bunch of halfwits in there, just a bunch of actors. Uh, and they you know, as they look naive. Some of them are. Some of them haven't got a clue. They've got people there on the list that are, go- are going to be in Parliament, our Parliament making decisions for us. And they're just like cuckoo people. You know, they're just nutty. And it was really bad with the Labour Party. They just had mentally ill patients in the the Labour Party. Just absolute weirdos like Kerry Allen, you know, mentally ill. She said, I suffered from mental illness most of my adult life. Well, what are you doing in our parliament? Why are we paying for you, you know, when you're on psychiatric drugs and then mixing it with with your alcohol and then smashing up the car that we pay for and then running from the scene and the police had to get the tracker dogs out and then you resisted arrest. And why are you still walking around free? Why aren't you on remand, waiting for your trial, like everyone else would be, like if 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 we were. You know, you should be on home detention at very least. It's just terrible. Okay, so there we are. Fears of a major damage in the in the Vanuatu. We talked about that. We've done that to death. I don't believe it. Uh, what have we got? We've got a big cold blast coming. Apparently, looks like it too with snow quite low. This is from the Met Service, no doubt. What else, what are the lies that they're telling us? A new spring blast is set to hit New Zealand later in the week with bitterly cold winds expected for parts of the South Island as well as heavy snow. Ooh, the ski people will be happy, but the farmers won't be happy with those spring lambs. It's a big cold blast and it will arrive on Thursday night and continue into Friday according to Weather Watch. Well, I would trust Weather Watch before I would trust... um, That's Duncan, isn't it? I would trust them before our trust met service uh, it says here that severe weather outlook uh, showed a front moving north east over the South Island and onto the North Island on Thursday and there's high confidence that rainfall accumulation, accumulations will reach warning amounts in Fiordland Westland, Buller and the headwaters of the Otago and Canterbury Lakes and Rivers according to um, who do we say it was? Duncan, isn't it? Now yeah. Um oh it's Met Service. I thought it was Weather Watch. I trust Weather Watch. Um so now we're back to it. Oh it's Niwa with all their stuff. Mm. Anyway, so what do they say? There's gonna be Snow Rain, hail, snow, sleet and um that's gonna be affecting us. Yeah, it's um twenty nine minutes past uh, seven and um, I've got uh, I've got a weather report for you. I'll just find that weather report for you now. Um, I've got it here. I recorded it just earlier in the day. Uh, let's see. If I can find it. Uh, why can't I find it? Hmm. Weather. What's it under? No, I don't seem to be able to find it there. Well, that's strange. Oh, here we are. I know where it is. Weather. Uh, yes, here we go. This is a, yes. There's a weather report coming up very shortly. Uh, right after this um, horrible uh, situation, which you don't want to hug people for too long. Always remember that hugs should be short. Don't hug them for too long.
4: Uh, excuse me, uh, Sarah. Oh my God,
0: Tom!
3: <laughs> How Hi. are you doing? I'm good. How are you? It's good to see oh, you. Where have you been? Too. I,
0: well, I moved to St. Louis and then I came back here. Oh my gosh! It's oh, so good to see
2: so good you. To see so how long you. have you been back in town? I've been back three weeks now. I live right in the area. Oh my! Oh. got give you a hug. What are you doing
0: here? Oh, just shopping. Shopping for food. Yeah. Oh, me too. Mm. Oh, mm. It's so good
3: to see you. Good to see you. <laughs> okay. Okay.
2: Oh.
3: Mm. Okay, my neck. Another nice hug? Yeah, but my neck's hurting. My love
2: giving hug. Okay, let's
3: go mm, now. Especially to nice. my
2: old good friend. Yeah,
3: okay, yeah, now my neck's hurting. My
2: best breathe. old
5: friend, Sarah. Oh, okay, goodbye. Mm. Oh, and your back that. feels so oh, good. Thanks. Okay, let go now. Woo. Okay, me now that. we're letting go. Mm. See, now this is me
0: pushing you away. On, okay, now we're going. Scientists
2: no, by agree bye. a hug bye should bye. last bye. three bye. to five seconds. Okay, no, no, no. Any longer can cause back pain, neck pain, arthritis, and a
1: general creepy yeah,
2: feel so for more good. information
1: ask your doctor 20 to 8 and we've got a weather report from the uk
5: hello and good afternoon it looks like a cold start to this week with chemtrails blowing in from the southeast making those nasty blue skies into a lovely milky haze further up towards the north of scotland where it was going to be really bright and sunny today you may now see some cloud appear usually behind a fleet of airplanes and that will bring wind and hail and maybe even a touch of unmeltable snow a look further into the week sees modified storms battering that northern coast, so don't forget your happy pills if you're planning on travelling. Towards Friday, low pressure remains and it will be blue skies and sunshine across the UK. If you live above the cloud layer, you can expect to see highs of about whatever we say on the day. We have had some great pictures sent in from you guys at home of some newly invented criss-cross clouds that just look magical there, speeding across the sky like an angel's wings thanks to Liam from the Wirral for that picture. This next photo was sent in by someone who forgot to leave their name, but shows what us meteorologists here at the weather station call a blanket of poisonous smog cloud, and this is caused when low pressure is altered with atmospheric heaters and jet stream manipulation. Taking a look at the pollen count now, which remains typically low for this time of year, unlike the nanoparticle swarms of invisible smart dust though, which will engulf almost everywhere, so be careful if you plan on breathing air. Back to the fill and the rest of the pedophiles at the studio.
1: Well Phil's not here at the moment <laughs> and I'm not a pedophile. Ah oh dear, we've got, Dennis Hall's coming up in a moment, he's going to t- be talking about this Muslim thing, this Muslim versus the West. That's what he thinks it is. And uh, it's it's a bit of an indictment on New Zealanders actually how we just jump to, jump to the side of the terrorists. And they are terrorists. That's exactly what they are. You know, terrorists. Call them what they are. They're not militants. That's too good a name for people that Murder innocent women and children in their beds, cut off babies' heads—all that stuff is true. There's, there's people out there denying it, just as there's Holocaust deniers. And the Israeli army has released some of the footage that was taken from of the from the from the terrorists themselves, from their head cams because they filmed everything because they're really proud of it. And they're offered ten thousand dollars to take a hostage. Each one gets a ten thousand. There was two hundred and twenty-two. So that's 222 times 10. There's a fair bit of money. Plus they get to live in a nice apartment, whether it's nice or not. But they get it. they get a free apartment and ten thousand dollars, and they're all high on drugs, Captican. They found, you know, heaps of you know, pockets filled with Captican tablets, and that keeps them feeling wide awake and angry, and uh, it's like a methamphetamine. And uh, they don't they don't feel like eating, uh, so they can go long periods without eating. And we read that report earlier in the week, didn't we, about what they do. Uh, so we'll be hearing from Dennis Hall anyway in a moment. And uh, But right now, let's go and have a look at um, Stuff, because we seem to be getting different stories as to what's going to be happening with the weather in the next few days. Uh, I'll talk to you about that now. So that according to this report on Stuff.co.nz, spring brings winds, wetness and warm. The Met Service says temperatures are expected to rise to the mid to upper 20s, In a number of areas across the Motu, Motu is New Zealand, across the country, with warm weather lasting until Thursday. Okay, and then it's going to be cold. Okay, now there's also a search for Michaela Liga. She has, uh, there's a lot of unanswered questions with this one. She's a 29 year old and she was last seen in a yellow kayak, which she'd nicked apparently, uh, heading into the water at uh, Raumati Beach on Saturday evening. Extensive searches. Have yielded yielded nothing. Also, uh, firefighters reflect on decades of long service: a cow down a well, a car up a tree, and there's little these little violent. That's what these volunteer fighters have to do. There's nothing they haven't seen in the last 80 years of combined service, uh, according to. Now, where are these people? Let's have a look. So not much of a heading. Oh, there's three blokes there. And they're from Mochueca, the firefighting trio, with 80 years between them. Hamish Brown, and who else have we got there? That's right, a cow fell down a well. 30 years as a volunteer fighter, he is, and that's a Mochueca. And so there's a nice little story there that you can read when you get to work. Uh, Who else have we got? We've got this Kiwi man. He's missing in Sydney. He was interviewed by police before disappearing. His son took his belongings when he went in for questioning, waiting for a call to pick up his dad. The call never came, and his dad, uh, apparently his dad had left, but hasn't been seen since. That's a bit dodgy. wonder what's happened to him. Maybe he was going to be talking to, um, telling on somebody, and they got rid of him. They play for keeps over there in Australia. I tell you what, the gang's over there. You think ours are bad. They're even worse over there. Uh, so what else have we got here? So that's that. Um, privatization of conservation, a private company has taken over work for doc really Why is that? Why are we having private companies taking over doc's work what 's wrong with employing our own people and why is it that companies want to make money they they have shareholders it shouldn 't be it shouldn 't be like that that should be done by it 's a government department and doc the department of conservation and they 're not doing what they 're not really doing what they 're supposed to be doing either and they 're introducing deadly poisons. 1080 is poisoning our food source and getting into the waterways and they're doing it in the name of uh, saving, rescuing the kiwis but it's bullshit because lots of birds and kiwis die from this stuff and what they're doing is they're poisoning food so that we can't go and hunt for food because that's what's coming folks You're gonna, they're going to have to have a license to shoot and the food's going to be poisoned when you go into the bush, you won't be able to eat the stuff because they're continually dropping in 1080, so you're eating poisoned food. That'll kill you. It's one way of getting rid of you. You can get the jab, get the vaccine. That'll kill you eventually. It'll kill you sooner. Sooner or later, they'll weaken you. Some die straight away. i about 30 people after some, John Lanser was telling me last night, about 30 people dropped dead within, within a week. It's all been covered up. And there's a whistleblower, apparently. And now, this was what Liz, Liz Gunn was talking about, with the mother of all revelations, a blow from inside the ministry, Ministry of Health I call it, they call it something else now, and she had all this information, or he, this person, and now they've got the Tatars, they've got cold feet. And Liz needs to explain that to people, because it's, and it's very serious, isn't it? If this is true, this is criminal. And there shouldn't just be, you know, what Winston's saying is going to be, which you will never do. An inquiry into the the mandates and all that, which he was which he was telling everybody back in September or October 2021, he said you all need to get vaccinated. So did Luxon, so did Hipkins, they all did. They all were singing. They're all collectivists. They're all every single uh, tyrant in history was a collectivist. They're doing it for the for the greater the good. That means that three people have more rights than one person. Why would that be? Because there's no such thing as a group, as G Edward Griffin says they're actually just three individuals so that those three individuals have more rights than one does and that's what democracy is that's democracy the majority rule and that's why we don't want it but anyway getting back to the um, the dock with poisoning our, poisoning our food our wildlife which we can eat and uh, so what they do is you've got to get a gun licence Well, they'll, to make that harder you won't be able to have a gun so you can't shoot an animal to eat um, they're going to take away the beef soon. That's what they're trying to do. They'll say that home kill. There's some disease. They'll make up a virus, there'll be a, fault, a fake PCR test or a fake rat test that says they've got some virus, and they'll say for you. First of all, to be voluntary, so for the, we just you know we just recommend that you don't have home kill because you know this this virus is loose, <laughs> and then they'll mandate it, and there'll be no more home kill. So if you want to get meat, you've got to go. You can't go and get beautiful meat that's been unvaccinated. No antibiotics, not overgrazed um, you'll have to go to the, the you can't go to the butcher even because they'll shut him down as well. You have to go to the big supermarkets chains. so this is public private partnerships. you've got to go there and get your meat. So they've got you haven't they? so that means you have to be in their financial system when they crash the cash and you have you have your digital currency you have to have one of that so you have to be in the system they'll outlaw um, bartering. So you won't better say, well "Look, I tell you what: if you give me that sheep, I'll give you um, a load of firewood. How about that? That's a fair trade." They'll probably ban that. Make that look because of, for, for your safety, for the greater, for the common good, you, you, there could be something wrong with that sheep. Can't do that. So that's what they're going to do. Fishing, they'll stop you fishing. All this um, stuff, you know, uh, out there saying they're making these areas, you know, sort of like natural areas where we're not allowed to fish anymore. Uh, that's a nonsense, and so the idea of they'll, they'll introduce licenses for even just going out to catch a snapper, that will happen. Uh, they're getting used to the idea of, of doing that, and it's all designed so that they can control the food. If they can control the food, they can control you. That's how it's done. So they'll do it through the money system. It is all satanic, and it all it all goes back, when you follow it all the way through, it goes back to the Bible. And the Bible says in Revelation 13 that he causes all, small and great, to receive a mark in their right hand. Don't read it from a a corrupt new version. Read it from an old King James. Go and get one. Get one of those. It's perfect to the word level. In the right hand or in the forehead that you can't buy or sell except you have that mark. And apparently it's 666. I don't know. Barry Smith used to talk about the 666. He, he reckoned it was on the the um, what do you call those uh, the little things that you scan. It's got two little lines together, and then it changes. Then it reads another some more on the barcode, and then there's another two lines, and the the two lines represent a six. And there's three of them apparently, one at either end and one in the middle. If you look at a um a barcode, I don't know if it's still like that or not. So he thought it was that, but I think it'll be more than that. I think you'll swear allegiance to this guy, to this world dictator. And you'll take his mark, just like animals, just like cattle, marking them. And it'll be an in, it'll probably be a, a chip implant, and it'll not only will ha- allow you to be able to be um, to buy and sell. It'll have all your medical history on there. You'll know they'll know whether you are vaccinated or not. Got, you're up to date with all your shots, so that keep you sick and fat and stupid. Uh, that's how they're going to do it, and what else will they have in there all the information about you all your habits so they can pinpoint you at point of sale and if you've said something wrong on one of the social media things or whatever, they'll block you from being able to use it. They've even got your smart meters the smart meter is designed it's going to be soon some of the the appliances that are, that are going to be they're coming out now they're linked through the smart meter and they have the ability to be able to shut them down They can tell which ones you're using through the smart meter and they'll be able to stop you from using certain things in your house because you've been naughty and you'll go to go and say fill up with some petrol or something if you've still got petrol by then they'll say oh no you've had your allotment of um, petrol you've not allowed anymore and you won't be able to buy it and you, it might be meat they'll it'll be rationed they'll say oh no you've already had you know 130 grams of meat this month uh, so that's you've reached your allotment. So all you all you can buy is the bugs that we've got for you. And they're building these big bug factories now, where they're manufacturing just rubbish for us to eat. And um, you know they're saying it's high in protein and all this. I wouldn't believe a word of it. Just eat what God's given us, which is meat. That's what it's there for. I don't think Adam and Eve were in the garden more than a week before they sinned against God. How long could you go without sinning? Could you go a day? You could probably go a day, couldn't you, without having a sinful thought. I put one foot out of bed. I'm good until I put one foot out of bed and then it's all downhill for me. <laughs> yeah. Once I get out of bed and start... The, oh no, I don't know. And it's your thoughts too. That's the thing. Your thoughts can make you sin. If you, Especially, I think it's okay to have a thought and then stop thinking about it. I think when it comes to women, young guys out there, I don't have this trouble anymore, but when it comes to women, I think when you have a second look at a girl, that could be bordering on sin, possibly. But then on the other hand, you think, well, they are beautiful, aren't they? Women are more attractive, especially the young ones. They're more attractive than us. Well, they are for normal people. Much more attractive. I don't think there's anything... I don't find anything attractive about a man (laughs) or his legs. Not, Not really. But when you're young... Um, I just think it's just like a racehorse to me. I I admire a beautiful racehorse. I used to train harness horses, and I just admire the look of them, Uh, the strength of them. They're just beautiful, and women are beautiful. I wouldn't trust them, though, as far as you could chuck them. I wouldn't want to be in a relationship with one, but they are beautiful, and when you're young, you know, that's what you, you, you want one. I think if you start imagining that you're having sex with a woman and you're not married to her, I think that's... That's sin, that's adultery, because she's not going to marry you, she's going to marry somebody else. And if you're doing that, Jesus said, if you even look at a woman, is to lust after her. I think it's all right to admire her and say she's beautiful, but to lust after her. Then he says you've committed adultery with her in your heart. And so it's pretty hard not to sin, isn't it? <laughs> pretty hard, all right. Although, I, you, know, I think, I think, you know, I think I've explained that. You can look at a woman, admire, she's beautiful. She's got a beautiful figure. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Just like I admire a beautiful racehorse or a fine fine hunting dog or a, or a working dog. Beautiful. Look at the legs. He's lovely. Gosh, he's muscly. He's so good. He's great. Look at the speed. And you can look at them. Why not? And I think women, why do women put lipstick on and all that? What's that all about? Why do they wear short skirts? Why do they come to work half, you know, with... Half the clothes missing. Men don't. We cover up, don't we? Wear a suit. <laughs> Women often don't. The low cut and all that. What's that all about? Lipstick? Makeup? What are they trying to do? Imagine if I put lipstick on and I went to work. What are you doing? What's that for? Well, the lipsticks to. Show, it's a sign of arousal. So they're trying to show us whether they realize it or not. I don't know. Maybe they're a bit nutty and don't realize it. They're trying to show the, the male the opposite sex. That you know they're aroused. Goodness gracious! Well, they shouldn't be. I mean, you could ban lipstick. I don't believe in banning anything, actually. But you've got to ask them. You know, then they go on. Oh, he's looking at me. Oh, well, you know, we'll stop dressing. You know, if you're not selling, don't advertise. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Don't wear lipstick? And cover up if you don't want men to look at you, because that's the way God's made made us. He's made us to admire women. That's the job. That's how the world goes around. So if you don't want a man looking at you, then don't dress like a slut, like a hooker, like most of you dress like. You've got no idea. Cover up. Put something on. Put some clothes on. You're not going out... I, I should say my little... Girl, I say, look, go and put some clothes on. You're not going out in your underwear. <laughs> oh, they look like they've got 90s on, don't they? Anyway, I've done my dash. I'm. I need to. I'm starving. I need to go and eat something. I'm going to have some liver, liver, and I might have some eggs. What else am I going to have? I had rabbit last night for dinner. That was delicious. Shot at myself. Missed out on another one, as I said earlier in the program, because I had only had one shot, one cartridge in the gun. I should have always made sure. I'll go out with two in future, and then I could have got two, and I could have. Had rabbit again in a couple of days time so what have I got tonight, I've got some mince meat patties, I'll have some of them um, I'll have a nice another nice, I might have a nice cup of tea now drinking too much coffee, far too much coffee, I'm going to ease back on the beer because it's full of carbohydrates isn't it so I mean I like a nice bottle of beer or something after i finish finished work but I've decided I'm going to. I'm really weaning myself off all the carbohydrates, getting sugar's gone, don't have any sugar, I've got sugar up there just sitting there, not even interested anymore, lollies you walk into the shops, no wonder you're poor, eh? When you buy all the ju- junk we eat. Especially for people that have to travel up and down the country. Truck drivers, they're always out of condition, always fat, unhealthy, poor guys. They work their guts out, long hours, but and the food is crap. You know, you'd end up, you go to the, go and get, well, you're just eating rubbish, really. And that's why we're dying. That's why we've got so many sick people in the country. Um, because we're just fat and stupid because that's what carbohydrates do to you make you silly and make you fat and so you've got to stop eating them and start eating more protein which is the exact opposite to what they're telling us they say that we should we should have gra- grains and all that stuff a lot of those sorts of things are really bad for you you know fruit and vegetables sometimes there's toxins in those that uh, people are really, um, it's not good for them. Oh, you think, oh, what's he going on about, fruit and vegetables? That's got to be good for you. You only think that because that's what you've been told. That's why I said, I don't think Adam and Eve were in the garden for very long. I think God knew that they were going to be eating meat. He knows the beginning and the end. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He knows everything. Why would Jesus say that in Revelations if he wasn't God? How How could Jesus Christ the Son be the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end? How could he do that? I am the Alpha and Omega, he said. <laughs> He's not God. And why did he say, before Abraham was, I am? That's what he told them. They picked up stones to throw at him because they knew that he was saying that he was God. They said, look, you're not even 50 years old and you say that you're, you've seen Abraham? And he said, before Abraham was, I am Yahweh those words were also that was I think it was something like John John 8 or something like that he said there and then if you go back to the Old Testament in Exodus what's that a few few books in isn't it from the beginning and uh, that was when Moses was he saw the burning bush and God spoke to him out of the burning bush in Exodus 3 and he said "Um, who shall I say sent me Lord this is um, Moses sure it was Moses and he said tell them I am sent you and then he said it again I am who I am sent you so he had to go back and tell the Israelites that I am sent you which is Yahweh that's what he said that that same person that same um, self-existing life force that was speaking to Moses was Jesus Christ the son of God and God are one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one, just like an egg is one. An eggshell, the white of the egg, and the yolk of the egg. Like a three leaf clover, God's given us plenty of examples, time, space, matter, lots of examples. Three, four, five method to square something. Lots of examples of three, three and one. It's one egg. But it has to have all of it to keep its integrity. It has three parts. And that's what God is the Godhead. Jesus Christ is the creator of heaven and earth. And that's who came to lay down his life for us. Imagine that. God himself loved us so much that he became one of us. And because we'd sinned in our bodies, he became a man. And he laid down his life. For us to save us, but before he could do that, he had to be perfect, which he is, he's perfect. And he lived a perfect life, never sinned, never looked at Mary Magdalene to lust after her. Never had, if he had one little thought like that, if he'd sinned just once, as we all do, from time to time, we might get you, might go a hundred years, but eventually they'll get you. Why? Because the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it says, the wages of sin is death. So God knew that we are dying, Well, he knows everything. And so he became one of us, came to earth, kept the law, fulfilled the law for us, kept the Ten Commandments, and then he laid down his life for us as a perfect offering. And those lambs that were offered annually for the sins of the Israelites, Jesus Christ was the one and only the final sacrifice behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world that's what John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus walking and so his sacrifice on that cross 2000 years ago once and for all not over and over in the mass as the Roman Catholics teach but once and for all he died on that cross to pay for your sins and mine he was buried and he rose again three days later he was in the grave for three full days and three full nights. He cannot have been in the grave on a Friday and rose on a Sunday morning. That is not three full days and three full nights. And when you read The Coming Prince by Sir Robert Anderson, which has Daniel's details, Daniel's 70 weeks, where uh, God showed Daniel that there'd be 70 weeks for his people, Daniel was a Jew. And he said, after 69 weeks, Messiah the Prince shall come. And that's exactly what happened. 490 weeks of lunar calendar years, it turned out to be. God put it in code so it couldn't be copied. But Sir Robert Anderson, back in the late 19th century, with the help of the Royal Astronomer, who was a, no, a non-Christian, showed that when Long Geminis, the Persian Prince, and you can find this information when he gave a commandment to rebuild Jerusalem, it was exactly 483 years, lunar years, 360-day years, the Jewish calendar, because Daniel was a Jew, until when Jesus rode into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey, just as it says in Daniel chapter 9, that very day, verified by the royal astronomer, And but there's one more week to go. And that week is in the future, because there has to be a king on the throne. But that's why God scattered them all. That's probably one of the reasons why he scattered all the Jews out. No more king. They had Herod. And so he's gone. And so when the new king comes in, there'll be one more seven year period. And it's going to be a time it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. It's the great the Great Tribulation is the final three and a half years. Now these aren't these aren't our calendar. Not three hundred and sixty five day, they're three hundred and sixty day lunar years. That's the Jewish calendar. And so from when uh, there'll be a seven year period before Jesus comes. And, and, and I believe that the Antichrist, will, when he signs that peace treaty with the Middle East, is going to be a, a peace treaty of seven years with the many, it says. I believe that's between the Arabs and the Jews. And that's because that's what you've got, Arabs and Jews, that's all there is. There's no Palestinians, it's an invented term. It's like Aotearoa, just invented by Europeans. And so that peace treaty for seven years... Lunar years, it will be broken halfway through. He even allows this Antichrist in Jerusalem there, he allows the Jews to have the sacrifice again, and then it stops. And then the final three and a half years is going to be the worst uh, tribulation period for mankind. If Christ doesn't intervene, no flesh would be saved, but he does intervene. And he saves the remnant of Israel. I believe those are the Messianic Jews that are in Israel now. And there's going to be 144,000, not Jehovah's Witnesses, because there's a lot more of them now anyway, 144,000, the Bible says, from the 12 tribes of Israel. 12,000 from each tribe. And they're going to to be young men that are virgins. They've never been with a woman. And they're going to go throughout the entire world during the seven-year tribulation period and they're going to be the preachers, they're going to be the evangelists. And there's going to be two prophets from the Old Testament that are going to be come back to earth. There's quite a, I think there's two or three that are in the running for this. They're the candidates. I think Elijah it could be one, it could be Enoch could be another, and Moses could be the other one. But Enoch and Elijah never died. Elijah was taken up into heaven in a chariot of fire. And Enoch, can't quite remember what happened to him. It's been a while. But these two prophets are going to be um, preaching and hated by the whole world. And the whole world will see what's going on. We can see that that can happen too. The Bible says the whole world will see this. They're going to be murdered because of what they were preaching. Street preaching in Israel. You try that now; it's pretty hard. They're going to be killed because of their what they say, and their bodies are going to lie in the streets of Jerusalem for three and a half days, and then after three and a half days, the Lord God is going to resurrect them. And so I think it's Elijah and Enoch, but I could be wrong. You don't want to get too, you know, too much of a stickler on these things, do you? <laughs> I could, you could be right. I believe the Lord is going to come and in first um, Thessalonians chapter 4 and first Thessalonians, first uh, Corinthians chapter 15, I believe if you read those two together, they give you an example of the rapture. Now rapture is a Latin word, but it means the catching away. And I believe the Lord is going to come just before the seven year period. It could be just before the three and a half year period. We might not even see the Antichrist for the believers. Because I believe that what will happen, this is what I believe, and I could be wrong on this, and and I hope I'm not wrong, but uh, but, but maybe I'm not. Some people, they want to go through it, but I don't think they've got any idea what's going to happen. The tribulation saints, there'll be people that will be saved, but they have to lose their heads. That's what the Bible says. But, But right now, we've got an opportunity to be able to just call on the Lord and say, please forgive me for the way I've lived. I've sinned against you. That's what we've done. We've sinned against God. Please forgive me. And um, just believe that Jesus, by faith, that Jesus Christ came to this earth as a man, fully God, fully man, and laid down his life for you and for me. And then he died. He laid. He was buried, and he rose again, according to Scripture, a miracle that can't happen, doesn't happen. Born of a virgin girl. Just doesn't happen. It's just fairyland, isn't it? But because that supernatural element was fulfilled of the that we can prove outside of the Bible, that Jesus, from when that commandment went forth by Alex uh, Atastus or something is how you pronounce his name, Long uh, the Persian prince, found in the Persian history books, it was exactly sixty-nine weeks of Jewish calendar years three hundred four hundred and eighty three years to the day when Jesus rode into the city so we can prove that the Bible is true that has a supernatural element to it that no other book does but it does and so that's why I put my trust in that book I've proven I've convinced my I'm convinced I don't mind what you think but I'm convinced that I can put my trust in the words found in the King James Bible because I find pr- lots of provable errors in the new versions there's only two types of Bibles. One comes from Alexandria, Egypt, which is most of the new versions, and the other one comes from Antioch, where Christians were first named Christians. And so all the new versions now come from the Roman Catholic text, the um, sort of the Gnostic teaching from Alexandria, Egypt. Egypt is a picture of the world. And that's why I believe God has preserved his words. I don't know where they were earlier. They would have been in the Great Bible and, you know, all those other received texts, the, the texts that have been handed down, passed down. It's not a book called the Textus Receptus. The Textus Receptus is just a type of a, tep- a text type, a type of reading, a type of witness. And there's other names for it as well, Byzantian texts, I think, or majority texts, that sort of thing. And, you know, I'm not a biblical scholar, but, I, what I do know that there are two types of readings so if you go to um, Dr Sam Gipp I think it's got two Ps on it and there's, a, there's one that he's done he's got lots of other people doing things against him but if he's got this one called What's the Big Deal About the King James Bible and it's made up of eight, uh, I think they're eight minute long videos which explains and he explains it really well very very well for people uh, just eight minutes go and watch that one by Sam get Make sure you get the one that's that Sam's actually doing. It's like these little like little plays. Really good. And that'll explain to you. There's only two Bibles. One is man and the other one is from God. And so as I was saying before, I don't know where God's words were before sixteen eleven, but I know where they are now. I can hold them in my hand and say these are the words of God. And the Bible says every word of God is pure in Proverbs thirty verse five. And it says that God will preserve his words for eternity, forever, in Psalms 12:6 and 7. But in the New Versions, it doesn't say that. It says that God will preserve the people. It's totally different. In the King James Bible, it warns us that men will corrupt, try to corrupt the word of God. The only time the word corrupt is used is in the King James Version. It's taken out of all the New Versions. It says peddle. It's different. A peddler, someone who's peddling something, is selling something or promoting something, a peddler. That doesn't mean he's corrupting it. But you can see the devil doesn't want you to know that the new versions are corrupt, that people will try to corrupt God's words. And that's what he's done. And that's why I believe, but God promised to preserve it. So where is it? Well, I believe he's put it in English because we're this is the end times we're in. And I believe English in 1611 is as we know it today. Webster used the King James Bible to get the meanings of the words. Not only that, um, what's her name? Not Ruckman. Um, Ripplinger, Gail Ripplinger. She wrote a book, uh, many books actually. One's called New Age Bible Versions, which is fantastic. Get a hold of that. And she's got some videos online as well. And the other one is about the dictionary, the built-in dictionary that's within in the in King James Bible. So when you're reading a text, it talks about... Um, it's, uh, you, you'll start a sentence or, you know, like a verse, and then towards the end of that verse, or maybe the next verse, it'll sound like it's repeating itself. But what it's doing is it's letting you know what words mean. It's got this built in dictionary. And that's why, it's, as I say, Webster used the Bible to get the meanings of words out of that book. You don't need to go to the Greek because God's moved out of the Greek. And He's in English now. And He's put it in that King James Bible, and you can trust it. There are no provable errors, there's plenty of apparent contradictions and errors but when you go there and research them they're not errors at all and you can't prove that they are and so that's my lot yes, so make sure that you get your Bible verses right because the end is pretty close, the end of this dispensation, not the end of the world the world can't end for another 1,007 years because when the Lord returns, it'll be from now seven years before he steps foot on the earth. If he comes if the Lord comes to take the saints tonight, first Thessalonians four and first Corinthians fifteen, he says the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, not on the ground, in the air. So we go to meet him in the air. And then what happens? We go to the judgment seat of Christ we obviously we have things have to be sorted out and purified i suppose i don't know i don't know what's going to happen that's the judgment seat and then after that we have the marriage supper of the lamb while that's happening in heaven all hell is breaking loose on the earth because the holy spirit the, the christians have gone but there will be tribulation saints which will be saved by the missionaries the evangelists of the 12 tribes of judah the 144,000 virgin men are going to go out throughout the earth plus these two prophets and they're going to preach the gospel of the kingdom it's a different sort of a gospel but it's still believing God isn't it and they'll become Christians but they'll all lose their life because they won't take the mark of the beast because they know what it means and I don't know whether it's transhumanism whether there's some, some of that involved in it I don't know but these people that take that mark of the beast come out in noisome sores, that smelly, smelly sores, and they, they cannot go to heaven. They cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. But those that resist and lose their heads, they can, and they will be their tribulation saints. That's what we call them. It's seven minutes past eight. It's time for me to go. So all I can say is go well and hope to see you tomorrow morning, Lord willing. Uh, which is, what, Thursday, tomorrow, isn't it? Is it? It's Wednesday today, 25th of October. And, uh, yes, so I will see you on Thursday at 5 o'clock, bright and early. Okay, I will leave you with... uh, What am I going to leave you with? Um, I won't play him, because he's a pro-life comedian, and I quite like some of his stuff, but he does swear a bit, and so we won't do that. Um, I'll leave you... this This is a funny one. Oh, this is Chinese... Guy. Oh, where is it? No, Dennis Hall. I'll leave you with Dennis Hall. Uh, he, um, I spoke to Dennis Hall yesterday and here's what he said.
2: This is Dennis Hall. We, we all think that Hamas and that little war in Israel is the greatest danger the Western nations face, but it is not. The greatest danger the Western nations and the civilization at large faces is its educated and deluded youth, the college and university graduates allied with local and recently immigrated muslims the next time you see one of those demos on the tv don't let it fly over your head look into the picture and see the participants and see what and who they actually are there is a high proportion of local muslim immigrants among them this is not a local protest it is a tendril of a global one and that's our fault We have not been keeping a proper eye on things because we believe in personal freedoms and we allow our people the space to pursue whatever their concept of freedom happens to be. These people, staging demos in support of Hamas, are openly supporting global Islamic terrorism. And global Islamic terrorism has only one task, the propagation of militant and global Islam. And among their soldiers in New Zealand are many of our deluded youth. We have known for a while now that our educators, that is teachers and university lecturers, lean to the left, and many are hard left. And while we have been looking the other way, the left-leaning majority in our education system has metastasized into a global support for Hamas, and Hamas is an Islamist Palestinian terrorist organization, one of many, and they now have global reach. Hamas has already demonstrated their power by slaughtering innocents in Israel with full TV coverage coverage. that graphically shows acts so merciless, oppressive and disgusting that many of us doubt the validity of what we are seeing with our own eyes on our TV news. Also, the people organising these barbaric terrorists know that by focusing their fury and barbarism on Israel, they are tapping into our latent prejudice against Jews. Now, in a very big hurry, we need to understand that a couple of hundred students and friends allied with recent Muslim immigrants holding a demo in Auckland's Queen Street is not just a problem of deluded youth in New Zealand, because in fact what they are doing is mimicking similar student and youth groups all over the Western world who have got their empathy for recent Islamic immigrants confused with Hamas and the global Islamic terrorism. Read carefully. This is a global evil, and your young ones, in the guise of supporting the oppressed, are involved in what is the beginning of a global insurrection, and it is your enemy, an unashamed enemy of our Western civilization. I don't know how to do this, but we have to find people who do to help us. This is not a time for us to sit on our hands. We need to sit up and take notice, and we need to make sure we understand what's happening and get ourselves organised to push back. In the past, we would have been able to rely on our media to expose this infestation of evil in our midst, but those days are gone. We all know by now that our media is lost in a quagmire of fake ideologies and idiot personalities, none of which represents us. We need to forget them. We need to push them aside and use the internet to get an understanding of what is actually going on. Some new leaders are going to need to emerge, people who we can trust to be honest. I think the first thing we need to do is raise enough money to take the media back and clean out our so-called newsrooms. That's probably the only place we, we can start. This is Dennis Hall with Liberty NZ Radio.
1: Just relax and listen to the radio.